There's no time. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice you had that shirt on. You haven't worn that in a while. I haven't worn this in a while, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No we were... airborne unit shirt. So sent this to me. Yeah, that's right. I think right. it was a birthday present, wasn't it? I think it was a birthday You're present. asking me like I, I would remember that kind of stuff. I, I Time doesn't would. mean anything. It's just a very yeah, nebulous so concept. We, when you work it's, from the home and you're your own one boss, it's just one long fucking work thing. day. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it pretty much is. It's pretty. I mean, I'm always thinking about, oh, what's the next video I got to do, or what's yeah. the next thing I got to do. We were, and it's like, you know, while this shit was rolling, while the, the the beginning credits were rolling, we were already talking about what it is we had to do before the New Year's. But uh, maybe we're going to keep it a secret. No, it? I don't think it's particularly okay. secret. All right. I'm just I'm just saying that I was thinking about redoing all the um the little intros, that's all. And intros. maybe like and maybe doing like a different slightly different logo like variation yeah. on the logo. Just kind of refreshing the channel cuz it's been yeah. a while we've been using the same Some stuff. Some of those we've used. And for also years. I wanted to kind of do like I said I kind of touched on this a little bit like in uh on the Patreon post because I was just kind of like I've gotten so behind because of the holidays um and because of my new channels and stuff that I haven't really been posting as much um, like early access and stuff. So I want to maybe get back to that. Maybe I might do fewer videos a week, but not, and I'm not going to worry about like putting them up. Oh my God, it has to go up on this day or I'm just going to put them up when they're done. You know what I mean? And yeah. not really worry about, uh, about that kind of stuff. And also I kind of wanted to like streamline kind of stuff. Cause I feel like, cause remember when we first started, like, for example, when we first started doing the matinee, uh, you know, series, we started doing that as separate from the movie retrospective series because the movie retrospective series was like recorded and that was just like one a week that everybody voted on, which is fine. But like when we first started doing the matinee show, it was when we were going to the theater and then we were like filming our reactions to the yeah, movies like right after that. we saw them. And so we just kind of continued it like that, even though we weren't really doing it like that anymore. And then I was thinking the other day, it's like. I kind of felt like for a while we made the distinction, oh, the matinee will talk about new movies and then retrospective will talk about old movies. But now it's just kind of like we just talk about whatever, like whether they're new or old, like whichever one we happen to watch. Yeah. So I'm like, I just kind of feel like the the distinction between those two series has disappeared. Mm -hmm. So I might just kind of lump everything together into like, hey, it's a movie review, like new, old, whatever the fuck we watched. Because I kind of feel like I don't make that distinction. We shouldn't make that distinction anymore. So I might just do that. I mean, like I said, it's not really going to make a lot of difference to people watching it. It'll just have like a different... It'll just maybe be in a different playlist and have like a different intro. That's all. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. some might be live or some might be recorded, like whichever ones we do. So, you know, I'm just saying. It's all good. It's all good. I'm going to let you handle it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm gonna let her handle. Isn't it. that what always happens? Yeah, well, that's you, what always happens. You think about it more than me. You you know you know the data. You know the data, the metrics, and everything better. Yeah, so yeah. It's just better to do it that way. Well, and I kind of like. 
in some ways I like that the channel grew like organically and then we're just like, oh, we added this and we added yeah. that. But then like after a while, I'm just kind of like, oh my God, like all this stuff is just so disorganized and yeah. all over the place and it causes me great anxiety. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I like kind of prefer things just like, hey, this is a movie review. Hey, this is a book review. You know, and I have like d little different intros for each of those things, but. We just did what everybody else did though. The, the, the yeah. show just changed with the times. Yeah, yeah. And whatever market forces were dictating to us what worked we kept what didn't work we got rid of so that's just the way everybody else does yeah so the, remember we did some shit doing we did some of the damn thing shows that were almost like screensavers remember it was all written with yeah relaxing music those were cool but they didn't get enough hits they were they, they were kind of out of date when we did them that was working a couple years before that it's just yeah things go in and out of style you just got to find out and then it came long format fucking live streaming came into style and that was the way to go because shit we can interact now get super chats and the shows are a lot more spontaneous it's less work than doing slideshows yeah, I mean it's still a lot of work but it's a lot less work than it was slideshow was tearing her up man yeah she yeah, spent all day just getting fucking photos and finding photos and cropping them yeah, and, and cropping editing them. And them. Editing. Yeah. So. <laughs> and scrolling them out and everything yeah, like so that. Yeah, so that was kind of like, th those were cool shows, the but they just, they we had to change with the times, you know. That's true. Other people were doing that in, in that era, and then they stopped also. It's just because live streaming is where it was at. That's what we got the greatest response from. Yeah. And we started as a fucking podcast. Yeah. And when we started as a podcast, we got a lot of fucking hits on the podcast on an old network we were at. We were getting yeah. like what fifty thousand views or downloads a, month a day or something or a month. like that. Something yeah, like that. per episode. But there was no interaction, and we never saw a dime. So not yeah, not really. So it didn't matter. Yeah, that's really, the thing. YouTube was where it was at, but we kept the podcast name. Yeah. So yeah. that was another thing. If I redo the logo, I might just take that Kick out. Kick podcast but, off. Yeah. I mean, technically, I still do upload just an audio-only version yeah. of it that goes to, like, various, like, Podbean and stuff like that. Like, in iTunes, if people want to listen to it, just audio. We could call it 13 O'Clock Mystery or some shit like that. 13 O'Clock. Well, I mean, I kind of feel like it should just show. be 13 O'Clock. 13 O'Clock, I mean? yeah. Just, that's what everybody knows it as. 13 O'Clock True Crime Mystery, some shit like that. Yeah, but like I said, we talk about true crime. We talk about yeah, all the. I mean, like today, this is a true crime show, kind of, yeah. and also kind of, and honestly, like this, um, I already know because of this topic, this is probably going to get demonetized. I don't know about like demonetized, but it'll for sure like be limited advertising because a lot of um, advertisers don't want to be on a video about uh, terrorism. So there's that. You're, okay. But you know what I mean. I kind of have. I don't have too much trouble with a lot of the topics, but anytime like something's like true crime, like serial killers, it's like really egregious. Then sometimes you'll have like limited. I don't think I've ever had an uh, had ads taken off completely, but sometimes like there's a lot of advertisers that would prefer not to be on shows that They're are sensitive. about sensitive. Yeah, topics. like shows that are about like serial killers yeah, and stuff like sensitive. that. Which, like I said, I don't really care. But and 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 those fucking there were and, and those same fucking murders were covered on network television. They'll do whole documentaries. They'll do news reports on the shit. And they then they would have well. That's what I'm saying. And the thing about it was that I was on. Sensitive. I went on YouTube, and they had yeah. like there's tons of like documentaries about yeah. Timothy McVeigh on yeah. there. It, because it's them talking about it. See, that's what it well. Is. I mean, other people have uploaded stuff yeah. that they recorded from right. like PBS or whatever. Right. Like I don't think like a couple of them were from the official channels, but a lot of them were just people that had taped it like back in the 90s. That old whatever. mainstream corporate format. They. 
they uh, they felt you know sanctimonious about their shit. Only they could advertise on that. You know, they didn't want anybody else fucking talking about those cases. They had having to be official. Oh, yeah, right. Well, like I said, I kind of feel like it's not even people. Um doing it because a lot of times like well, algorithms doing it that's what it's i mean AI. so because a lot of times like i'll watch because a lot of times for preparations of these shows like i'll watch other people's documentaries about yeah. and some of them have ads and some of them don't yeah. like it doesn't really seem it's there a, doesn't really seem to be any logic to it's it AI doing it but it was fucking humans that told the ai to do it see it's just you know fuck them fuck them you know the deal Tyler, guy, Tyler, the guy said, I hope y'all touch on the third bomber theory. That's the most interesting part, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we might touch on that a little bit, but, I, you know, I don't really know if there was well, one or not. Yeah, they were, they, they, even back in the day, they thought there, that some of the guys got away. Well, they're, well yeah. the one guy that they thought was the third guy that they called, like, John Doe number two, they figured out who that guy was, and it wasn't, like, it was just, like, an innocent dude. Okay, I remember when all this happened that just happened to be there the day before it was yeah. like a mix-up or something like yeah. that but i don't know like i'm you know i'm not saying there weren't other people involved i'm just saying that particular guy that they thought was john dude number two was yeah. not involved this is a good case man because this is kind of a monument to to how much things have changed okay it used to be guys thought that if you took direct action against a political opponent and did something like this you'd be able to get your message out and really, because they didn't have internet, it, they did kind of get their message out when they did this. But it always came back to fucking haunt you. It always kind of, this isn't the really way you want to deal with problems. Um, nowadays, if you want to fuck up the government and screw up some of their fucking corrupt plans, like this was, this had a lot to do with Waco, okay? Nowadays, all you do is just start a YouTube channel and make fun of them. They can't stand being ridiculed and made fun of. Because right, they take themselves very seriously. Um, and you'll do more damage to them that way in information war and propaganda than you would ever destroying a concrete building and accidentally blowing up a bunch of kids at a daycare center. Yeah, and yeah. a bunch of adults, too. Yeah, and a bunch of... So, so yeah. this kind of thing, what these guys did, was is, was obsolete. Well, the it thing about it, and I was then. thinking about this while I was like reading, I was like, it's not only monstrous and morally repugnant, obviously, but it's also ineffective. Yeah, it's ineffective. It doesn't it doesn't achieve the desired goal. It, it, right, it but yeah, that's rest. what I mean. I'm not saying I'd agree with the dude, because yeah. I don't. I'm just saying that if the if you had some views and you wanted like to call attention to something or whatever, this ain't the way to go about right, it. Right, yeah. Well, I see, the thing is, is I agree with what they were mad at, all right, which was... They were mad about what the ATF did to Waco. Well, yeah, that uh, was fucked up. What they did was fucked up. But this isn't how you deal with it. No, that's what I mean. Yeah, uh, it's like you doing right. that doesn't right. make that any less fucked up, right. and it's not going to, you know right. what I mean? It's not solving anything. Right. It was just kind of a, a, an out-of-date way of dealing with the problems, and it, it always backfires on on the cause. A lot more effective nowadays. Well, they didn't have they didn't have the internet back then. Well, yeah, this was the 90s. But like, now, you know, mid-90s, early Nowadays, 90s. the advent of social media has kind of made attacks like this obsolete, which is good because people don't die. Now you can just say what you want to say, and if it's a popular belief, you can change things. Okay. Um, governments are corrupt. They're fucking tyrannical. They do stupid shit because they want to get promoted, and the main, the main goal of any government is to grow, it's to grow its power and to grow its ability to make money and to pay their friends. That's really all it is, and to protect the ruling class that keeps them in business. 
That's his purpose. It doesn't have anything, anything to do with protecting you or to make your life easier. They will ship your jobs overseas. They'll sacrifice you. They'll throw you into the jaws of a fucking war machine to fight a war that really only benefits guys at the very top. The whole thing is fucking crooked. Um, so, yeah, you should be able to get that message out. This is not how you do it. You don't do it by blowing up a government building. It's just a building. They'll build another one. And then they'll take what happened and they'll flip it around and say how, how that these people are all terrorists. Anybody who disagrees with us is a terrorist. Anybody that says no to us is a terrorist. Bend over. That's what it becomes. So you don't want to do it this way. Best way to do it is just make fun of them. Call them out for what they do and make fun of them. Ridicule. And they can't stand that. That really hurts their butts. They get butt hurt. Because they come out of these institutions and they feel very serious about themselves and their authority. They're just... There's other losers, you know. <clears throat> Government bureaucrats are the fuck. They can't survive in the fucking real world. They, they're the f rich kid flunkies. Come out of universities. Get these paper pushing jobs. No skills to speak of. No talent. Uh, they're just fucking pressing buttons and filling out fucking paperwork. And telling other people what to do. And um, trying to expand their department. And make sure that the budget is fulfilled. I know, I was there, you know. There's nothing to this. But uh, this is not how you fight them. You fight them in law, in courts, in the court of public opinion. That's how you do it. Voting. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. Wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm never sure when you're done. No, I'm sitting here you trying should, to fill time, man. You should, probably, you should yeah. probably like do like on the CB and be like, you know. What's that? And say when you're done. Over. <laughs> yeah, so I know when you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's up, Dave? Uh, he's here. He says, my shop sells machetes, axes, tarps, and shovels. Serial psycho killer supply store. See, there you go. Well, you know. You gonna get flagged? <laughs> Too late. So, like, we already yeah. got flagged. I, I already, like, um, I wanted to do this topic. Now, um, somebody said we should do Ruby Ridge as well, because that was another one that uh, Timothy McVeigh was mad about. I think we did do a show on Waco, did we not? I'm all I'm ninety nine percent sure. We sat here and fucking talk about how they fucked that up. Royally. That we did a show about yeah. Waco, but we haven't done Ruby Ridge though, because that was right. another thing. That's that I mean, I want to, you know, I yeah. don't want to get too much into that, but that is one thing that um, yeah. that Timothy McVeigh was like. He's mad was about mad, that too. Was mad about that too. Right. Because they happen like not that you know yeah. kind of close in time. You yeah. Know? It was ATF stepping out. ATF trying to justify its existence. They couldn't find any bad guys. They'd make a bad guy. Uh, a lot of the guys they were fucking with were kind of bad, but they went out of their way to make that a violent confrontation. There wasn't, there could have been a much easier way. They were trying to have a spectacular raids and spectacular, something to look good on film so they could justify their existence. That's that's really all it was. They didn't have to burn down fucking Waco. They, they didn't have to break their way into the fucking Branch Davidian compound and fucking arrest it. He went into town every day. All they had to do was just wait for him at the store and they could have arrested him there. But that's not what they wanted. They wanted a big raid. They had to justify all that equipment and that huge budget. And that dude that they did up at fucking Ruby Ridge, they had to badger him. And he was a poor dude. They had to badger him to make a sawed-off shotgun so he could sell it to them for only a couple hundred bucks so they could arrest him and justify their existence. And he was like, ah, oh, that's illegal. You know, He didn't want to do it. But they made him do it. They kept fucking enticing him. So what do they do? Show up and they shoot his dog and they shoot his fucking pregnant, his wife that was while she was carrying a baby. You know, just 
bad. Yeah, that was Ruby Ridge. In Ru- case yeah, it, yeah, Ruby Ridge. Yeah, just fucking bad way of doing it. When you could have just arrested that dude when he went into town or something. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, obviously it's not crazy to be mad about that because both of those things were monumental uh, shit shows. Yeah. But doing what Timothy McVeigh did was not uh, not ideal. No, that's not the proper response. Let's let's say that. It wasn't ideal. Um, Let's see. They couldn't have foreseen the internet, though. So well, yeah. They, they, I mean, you know, that's just kind of like they would have been much better. To, it would have been much more effective to basically made a self-printed fanzine or a magazine or something like that, print it out on Repediograph, and then just you know, or have a radio show. Back in those days, you could have a radio show. And yeah, I mean, and just, I feel like he did yeah. have a little bit of a network in the sense yeah. that you know he would go around the country to like gun shows and stuff like that and like talk to people. So there was kind of like a loose network of people that he knew, but it yeah. wasn't like super organized or anything right. like that. They should have done something. He should have done something more like that. You know, even though uh, Alex Jones, he started on radio, and he was just pointing out inconsistencies and how these dudes actually operate. And he was a what they call a conspiracy theorist. And then years later, every, all those fucking things turned out not to be conspiracies. They were real, you know. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it when they found that island and, and it turned out that that shit was true. He was talking about that for years, Epstein's Island. And after that, I started paying attention. But, uh, you know, say what you will. Bridget says, Tom, you're looking good, more healthy. Uh, Jenny, what's the necklace you're wearing Thank today? You. Uh, it's a little, just a little skull with like a little bat and a and a little black gem on it. That's what. <laughs> yeah, we definitely covered Waco. I thought we had. Yeah. Uh, Tom Sykes said the 80s TV show MacGyver had an episode before this case happened that involved box trucks with bombs in them. I think I kind of vaguely remember that, actually. Yeah, John Smith said these days he would have a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, that's all you have to do. Information is a far more... When you look at, at warfare, you know, and I, I came up, you know, in fucking mili- good military academies and had my own military career and did weird shit as contractors, the war is always information. Information is... And, and, and public opinion. That's really where the power is. That's why the CIA was so fucking hell-bent on... Mind control, you know, MK Ultra. You can't win a war until someone believes that they're defeated. If not, they just continue to fight. And if you can control their opinions, you never have to fight that fight to begin with. So uh, you can do this through people's information, sources of their information, the flow of information. With that, you can achieve mind control. It's known as propaganda. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah. Now that propaganda is becoming, or the flow of information is a lot more democratized, it's difficult for them to use propaganda like they used to. Um, and so that's that was McVeigh's frustration. We're going to get into it, though. Uh, but the, the, he did totally the wrong thing. He wanted this big, spectacular event, you know, with an explosion and it would be and everybody would hear about it and there would be some kind of uprising. It never goes down that way. All yeah, you he do, seemed to legitimately think that there would be an uprising yeah, of people yeah, that like it never agreed goes, with him. All you gotta do is just look at the other big explosions that happen. And there's no uprising. You so this is a very old school, like nineteen twenties thinking. You know, that 
That's not what happens. You just have to well, study what happened before to know that. He went through all that trouble, you know, <laughs> building got, all that shit and spending all that money and doing that mission, and there was no effect, really. Not really. I mean, not anything that he wanted. No. That, yeah, that's what I mean. This kind of shit is, like, never... Yeah, what well, didn't cause the ATF to be abolished. Right. You know? It's like, I don't, I'm not really sure, like, right. what he thought was going to happen. Like, nothing he thought was going to happen happened. No. John Smith said, I thought McVeigh started off selling the Turner Diaries at gun shows. He did, yeah. Probably did. And yeah. actually, matter of fact, um, the idea for doing what he did at Oklahoma City, uh, he got it like pretty much word for word from the Turner Diaries. That's like yeah. the opening scene of uh, of that is like a, you know, like a federal building that somebody blows up like with a fucking yeah. truck bomb. If you guys know the Turner Di- Diaries. I might, yeah, I've got a thing about that. Like, I'll, we'll I'll talk about, talk about we'll talk that about. Like, yeah. later on. Yeah, there's nothing to it. It's... Uh... It's bullshit. And and what, what's talked about in general, I haven't read it, but I've seen synopsis of it. Uh, what's in the Turner Diaries wouldn't work. That Most of it wouldn't work today. It, 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 it's very old-fashioned. It was before social media. Yeah, well, it was published in 1978. Yeah. Uh, by a neo-Nazi, mm-hmm. matter of fact. But uh, it was it was about resistance though, it wasn't so much. I mean, about it's a it's a fictional novel, fictional but novel, it's right. um, kind of a how to kind of a thing. right in in the same way that like maybe like Anne Rand or something like that is right. where she writes like fictional novels, but it's kind of like a polemic at the same time. It yeah. was kind of like that. Yeah, it wouldn't work today though. That kind of stuff doesn't work, or it would be very inefficient. You know, you, you no. Bridget said, I remember when I learned it was an American, uh, Timothy McVeigh, I was in shock. I was uh, in the delusion that American wouldn't do this to their own country. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was against the federal government. And I it, think yeah. what, well, and the thing about it was when it first happened, uh, immediately everyone thought it was, you know, Islamic terrorism because, you know, there had been an event like that. Because, you know, I don't know if people that are really young know, but the World Trade Center was bombed in 1993 yeah um so people were still like thinking about that as soon as they said it was an atf headquarters i immediately knew it was an american well they caught him like almost immediately yeah i knew exactly but they were talking about it as it was happening though and it says oh atf okay yeah i know what they're mad at they're mad over the gun bans and they're mad over fucking waco and they're because you know i was big into the fucking gun scene you know fucking subscriptions to guns and ammo and those are all real old school stuff you know and fucking uh some of the uh military and law enforcement weapons magazines um i was just out of the army at that time and uh in the gun scene the second amendment scene everybody was mad about what it what the atf was doing and uh you know they were there was a big uh, argument of whether or not it was fucking kind of constitutional what they were doing because a lot of what they were doing was based on laws that were passed in the 1920s that were now moot point, which is a, this has to do with suppressors and full auto stuff and shit that really should have been constitutional. <clears throat> but um, as soon as as soon as they said it was an ATF headquarters, ATF headquarters, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what this is. And then it turned out, yep, that's exactly what it was. It was a dumb idea, though. Well, it uh, wasn't just the thing about that building yeah. was it wasn't just ATF. It, it, was, a whole, it was a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, in but there they didn't too. mention that until later. 
It was a and whole then, bunch of other stuff. Yeah, there was, it was a building that had a bunch of stuff in it. But Yeah, it was a bunch of different but they, offices. They announced it as it was an ATF fucking building. Which I, I mean, was that like, was uh, in there, but there right. was a bunch of other offices right. in there. Too. I don't think McVeigh realized that there was other stuff in there. Well, see, I think he now, just thought it was ATF. Um, I'm not so sure about that because I was watching, I watched a couple documentaries about it and I was like reading some stuff about it. And McVeigh, I mean, he's dead now. They executed him in 2001. But um, he kind of like, I don't know if he waffled, but he did kind of like say, it's like, oh, well, I didn't know there was like a daycare in there, for example. I would have picked another place if I'd known that. However, I have seen some like kind of legitimate sources that said uh, him and his little bro there, uh, Terry Nichols, Nichols, that they actually did a tour of the building prior to doing it. And so they knew that yeah. there was a daycare in there. And actually, Terry Nichols said later that, yeah, we knew there was a daycare in there and we didn't care. Well, they thought the att- they didn't think anybody would be in there because I think of the timing of the attack. and the No, it was like was nine a- in the morning. Yeah. It I was did- a Wednesday. I didn't think, yeah, from what I remember, he said he didn't think there'd be little kids in there. But there was. Cause That's already some bullshit. Showed up where- didn't matter. They didn't- Look, it didn't matter because they didn't care. Okay. They were trying to destroy an enemy building. These are ex-U.S. military guys. The units that they worked with and the army that they were in were dropping fire on little children going back from the fucking 19... <laughs> right, but like I said, that's okay. kind of like... But, they, but it, it, he was trying to make a moral equivalence, which, I think, like I said... I think that was afterwards. Yeah, but at I'm just time, saying, yeah, the, that's bad. But time, like you doing that doesn't make it better. At the time, at the, you know, the time the military thinking was, is, well, yeah, that's children, but those are children of the enemy. Let them burn. That's the same kind of shit that he said. Right, right, right. That's what, that's what the thinking would be. And that's pretty standard for military thinking. Yeah, those are children, but that's the enemy's children. That's not my children. Burn them up. You know, yeah, that's, that's kind. Of, well, yeah, right, that's yeah. what he. That's what he thought. Well, he said almost exact. Well, I'm not that exact same thing. Yeah, but the same sentiment. Sentiment. Well, you know, when I was in, one of the things that would happen during raids or fucking, uh, you know, fucking action on the action, action against the enemy at the objective. In other words, you're inside the heart of the enemy building. The main goal is to maximize damage and physical trauma on the enemy. Okay. Which people would be like, well, what does that mean? That means shooting women and children first. That means fucking making sure no one survives. It's overwhelming force against the enemy. That's what it means. Anybody in that objective is dead. Once the attack is called over, you go in and see if if there are any survivors. But they've told you to double tap in the kill zone. So there aren't going to be any survivors because you can't carry them with you. You're an airborne unit. You know, what are you going to do? Drag enemy wounded around. You got another place to attack. You can't take any prisoners. These are just. This was, of course, '90s and and earlier. I don't know how they are now, but back in the day, airborne infantry and air assault infantry just didn't take prisoners. Just you just read the way ambushes were done and fucking planned attacks were done. There would be no prisoners, or or, or enemy wounded. You can't take them anywhere. You don't have the ability. So, and the idea is to just to terrorize and kill and to terrorize the enemy. That's what it is, you know. And to make warfare friendly or nice, you're just fooling yourself. That's not what happens. Not in real life. And, you know, Americans like to think that we're the good guys. We were never really the good guys. Even going back to World War II, we were machine gunning German prisoners. 
Well, no one's entirely dead. Guys. Yeah. It's <laughs> just kind of the way yeah. shit is. They'd hand out <laughs> cigarettes every now and then. You know, some, it took a lot of prisoners, but there were certain times when American units couldn't take prisoners. They'd hand out fucking cigarettes to capture German guys, let them smoke a cigarette, they didn't tell them anything, and somebody else come along with a fucking Thompson machine gun and mow them down, because you had to keep moving. You couldn't take them with you, you know, and there's no way to send them back, but it depended on where they were. And on those Japanese islands, they were ordered not to take prisoners at all, going up through those island chains, because you couldn't put, take them back on the boat with you, you know, so they couldn't, so it was just liquidation. So people had to grow up about the mentality. But yeah, these guys were just, they blew that building up. And they, of course, they admitted it. They didn't really care who was in it, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, later, on, he's, later on, McVeigh said, well, I probably wouldn't have, knowing what I know now, I probably wouldn't have uh, blown the building up. I would have gone on a campaign of assassination against officials. That's what he said. Yeah, that's said what that. he said later, right, that yeah. he said that, that, that he would have done that instead. I mean, that was, I kind of feel like that's what he was planning at first. Yeah. But, I don't know if he just thought it was like too hard or too complicated. Too or something. hard. It's hard. It's complicated. But um, in the grand scheme of things, that would be more. That would have been more effective, probably. Yeah, I hate um, to say it, but right. uh, yeah. Well, the thing about it is that I don't advocate doing that yeah. ever. I'm just saying that from a goal-oriented standpoint, yeah. blowing up a bunch of innocent people who had nothing to do with anything that you're mad about is never going to be the right solution. No. It's a bunch of people that aren't directly connected Yeah, with it's the like, problem. what the fuck? Those people are just people that are just, like, yeah, working and, in an office. Yeah, they don't and, know nothing about what you're mad about. And then it's uh, just a concrete building. You know, so that could have been me. That could have been you. That yeah. could have been any of y'all. And you destroyed a concrete building. Big fucking deal. Nowadays, the government works just all online. They're not even going to those concrete buildings. They're all just fucking working from home on their laptops. You go to Washington, D.C., it's a ghost town. They don't go over there. They do it all from home. So now there's nowhere to attack. Actually, a very good security when you think about it. There's no there's no reason for any of those buildings in Washington, D.C. anymore. Well, they in some ways, I think it's kind of, like, safer to be, like, because everyone's just kind of, like, defeated yeah, they're spread out. into the, like... They're spread out. You don't know who's who. And um, there's no paper anymore for paperwork. It's all fucking digital data. So there's no reason for buildings. Those buildings were about... Storing paper with fucking filing cabinets and fucking shit. Xerox machines and shit. That's all gone. John Smith said, wasn't he caught so quick due to a faulty license plate or something? Yeah, he yeah. was speeding, and I think the car didn't even have a license plate. Yeah. And um, then when he got pulled over, like, he very, very clearly had um, a concealed weapon. Yeah. And he, um, he kind of, like, low-key threatened the cop. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he got arrested. And then, like, later on, they, they'd found... In the explosion, which we'll get into it a little bit, but they found like um, a little from the rider rental because it was a rental truck, mm -hmm. and uh, somebody at the rental truck place, like uh, yeah. the rider place, like recognized him. Yeah. Like they, you know, they drew a sketch and they, you know, kind of like put it together. Guess what? What those hams that we had for Christmas? Yeah, they were still on sale down there. Got fucking three more. Did you really? Yes. Oh, that's what you. One of them's a big full one. The other two are fucking half of hams. Okay. Why did we eat that one? That they were only ten dollars a ham. You think I'm going to give up that? But they were like a dollar thirty a pound. Oh no, I'm going to buy that shit. Well, yeah. Or a dollar twenty-five. A dollar twenty-five. See, that's kind of the nice thing about like the holidays around here is like Publix and stuff like that. They're always just like, please take all the turkeys and hams. They're free. Yes, almost. Yeah. So I got actually two huge ones, but it's in four pieces, and then. I got that um, bread flour rising down there, heavy bread flour, and uh, we'll make a pizza after the show. 
Yeah, so we good. get into this bitch now. By the time this is over, he's already planning. I'm already food planning. After. I'll go out there and I'll fucking. That's good because all I've had today was like a teeny little ham sandwich and a yeah. granola bar. Yeah, got and you two on cups re- of coffee. Got you on re- calorie. You don't got me on. I, anything. I got her on. Re- she's fucking slimming down like that. The fucking boobs are popping out on the front. She's looking good. I'm gonna have to take a photograph. Boobs We're gonna do a photo shoot soon. Whatever. We're gonna do a photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. She, you don't want to do a photo shoot? You're a ridiculous person. Of course I'm ridiculous. Yeah, you're ridiculous. Yeah, she loves this shit. <laughs> do a photo shoot, so. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Bridget says, I'm one of those OG listeners that listen on podcasts. I started with the Long Island Serial Killer. Wow, yeah. that was a long time ago. Oh, man. I miss most of the lives, but I always watch and like the replay. Well, thank you very, very much. Yeah, I mean... We, like, went back and forth about when is the best time to live stream, because I know that obviously everyone's not in the same time zone as us. We're, like, Eastern Standard Time, because we're on the East Coast. But, you know. Uh, so I know everybody can't watch us live, but we appreciate everybody that drops by to see us. Yeah, we need to, do need to change it up every now and then, I think, so that way we can catch some more. I have kind of thought about that, like, maybe doing, like, yeah. some surprise ones or... Because I bet you there's people in other time zones just waiting to give us a fucking super chat. Well, what? Maybe like one, like one day we're like wake up at like four or five in the morning. Okay, like I did this morning because we're getting super chats from China and shit. Because they're like, oh my god, we never catch you guys live. I just guy roll out of bed with my slippers and shit on, being like, what? Hey, what's up, you guys? Like no makeup or anything. Yeah, nobody needs to see that. Um, (laughs) Bridget says, I don't want to get Tom on a tangent. As yeah, Yeah. too late. Uh, But what sweets did you make? Like, I guess, like, oh, maybe... Uh, we had uh, pumpkin pies. Yeah, we had pumpkin pies. Yeah, and I got We some... were thinking about making cookies, but we haven't yeah. done it yet. I got cookie stuff to make. We got cookie stuff. We got all kinds of cookies. And then I got uh, a bunch of sweet potatoes that I grew from out and back. I was going to make a sweet potato pie, too. Because some of them are kind of substandard. They're not quite big enough to be served as a sweet potato. They're just kind of like... Because I, I took them 30 days out early. I took them out of the ground early. When I was like, man, some of them were big and some of them were small. I was going, what the fuck's going on here? And then I looked into it later. It said when the weather was cold, because it was later on in the season, they said, let them sit in there another month or so. I took it. So for the temperature, I was I took them out too early for the season. But I'll know next time, you know. Let them stay in there and grow. Yeah, you got to, like, keep, uh, keep up on all that. So the little it's ones that aren't really worthy of fucking serving, I'll boil them and <clears throat> turn them into a sweet potato pie. Yeah, there you go. If you guys never had sweet potato pie, it's kind of like pumpkin pie. Better. I think it's better. Although I like them both, but same spice. I'm slightly more team pumpkin pie, but sweet potato pie is good, too. Sweet potato pie is pretty fucking good. Well, it is. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I mean, pretty much any kind of pie is good. I'm not proud. I'll eat pretty much any kind of dessert you set in front of me, honestly, with very, very few exceptions. Uh, John Smith said, this is my just before bedtime drinking hot chocolate show. Oh, okay. Aw, that's cool. Uh, Bridget said, Jenny, tell Tom I'm in Camp Lejeune okay. in North Carolina. Okay, yeah. I Where hear you. Lion X Warrior said, don't show me Jenny's tits popping out. This old man will have a heart attack. Oh, no. We're going to show that. We're going to do a photo shoot. It's almost going to be kind of like, it won't be nude, but it'll be like like a fucking PR shots for a porn star or something. <laughs> fucking a lot of leg, booty. See, Tom's already imagined. I got to shit imagine. We're going to have a fucking sexy outfit and everything. Yeah. I'm going to have to do some heavy Photoshop. <laughs> no. no. Not that bad. Heavy Photoshop. No. Uh, we haven't done a photo shoot in a while. Well, yeah, I know. I can't remember the last one we did. Because I want to do a Bane photo shoot. 
Okay. I want to do I want to do several photo shoots. Do do some muscle photo shoots. We'll get the shit right. I'm just gonna um, but maybe like in another six months. I'm gonna do some more stuff before that. I'm gonna I, I want to gain like another three or four or five pounds somewhere around that. We're gonna see. See how I look. All right. I'm gonna do some more trend. Okay. All right. I'm gonna I'm hide on that trend. We're gonna see. I think I, maybe I built up a resistance to it by now. I'll see. See what I feel like on it. Zach says my first episode of you guys was the one you did right after they caught D'Angelo back mm. in spring 2018. For some reason, I, I thought you'd been around longer than that. No, it's about when he started that talking. That seemed recent, but I guess it was like no, that's no. not recent. That's like four years ago. Now. It about, seemed like just the other day. That was about. That's the time, what happens when you get old. That was about the time Zach started talking and introduced himself. That's when I started fucking with him, and then he couldn't leave the show after that when I'm fucking with him. Somebody, I got a message like not too long before the show that said that they had been um, on one of our old creepy disappearances shows. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about who was that guy? Um, what I think his last name was Hoagland, who was like a guy that disappeared. And was like this mysterious case. I think they found that guy. So um, somebody was saying, "Oh, you should like do an update." So I'm, we might have to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Hoagland. Yeah. Not the guy that the face on Mars guy. Yeah, not, yeah, not no, yeah. So this was it. No, this was a guy named. I think his name was Robert Hoagland. Okay, like, and it, he was like a mysterious. It was like a mysterious like disappearance. Okay, you know what I mean. And right. uh, we did a show, one of our creepy disappearances. Because remember, we would do like I think we did four or five volumes of those. Okay, yeah. But I think they found him. All right. Uh, so you know, Tom is slowly turning into a white version of The Rock. Says Tyler the guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I am becoming uh, the vanilla gorilla. The, yeah. Yeah. Fucking Honky Kong. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. I still I'm, need to do a Honky Kong shirt. I want to do I like just, a little Tom cartoon, like in like eight bit. And if then, you make it, I'll fucking do a shirt for it. It's got to look cool though. Well, yeah, I know. Honky Kong. Like I yeah. said, that'll take a while. Like, to and then it, I want to draw that. And then a Vanilla Gorilla shirt would be cool too. Yeah, that would be funny. Uh, yeah. Did that would have to be like a cartoon that looked kind of like Magilla Gorilla or yeah. Grape Ape or something? Right. Like yeah. That. Yeah, exactly. With a cool font, something that people can read with the gorilla on it. Uh, but it would have to look like you. Yeah. No, you can't make it look like me. You want to, because But that's like the whole part of the joke, It won't though. work. It won't work. Well, yeah, with like a cartoon version of you. Now, that's some, what I mean. You say in the white version of The Rock, I'm actually, according to photographs and what people said, more like Stone Cold Steve Austin is what they've been saying. And I looked at the photograph of the guy with his, with his beard and shit and his bald. I said, yeah, okay, that's what you're talking about. More like Stone Cold Steve. But you have to understand something. Those dudes are like six foot fucking three. Six two. Six four. They fucking, they're much bigger than me. The proportions are different. I'm only five six. I only weigh about 185 pounds. All right. Those dudes are fucking way over, like 230, you know. They're bigger dudes. You put me next to them, I'd look small. Well, shit. When I yeah. put my super tall boots on, I'm yeah. like an inch taller than you. Yeah, and I'm super, and I'm pretty short. Right. I'm only five foot three. Yeah. And for uh, but for, I have really tall boots. For, <laughs> the only other guy that was kind of like me was Franco Colombo. He weighed two hundred pounds. It was Arnold's best friend. He was about five foot four, two hundred pounds, probably five percent body fat. And he was fucking huge. And he was stronger than Arnold. He could run with refrigerators and shit like that. I wished I looked like fucking Franco Colombo. Um, Proportion-wise, I'm a little bit... Just proportionally, I'm a little bit bigger than... Um, 
I'm a little bit bigger than Vin Diesel. About like that. I'm not as big as those bodybuilders you're talking about. About like Vin Diesel. I'm bigger than Tom Hardy, proportionally. Um, so I'm, I'm not that big. John Smith said, my life ambition is to disappear in a mysterious way. <laughs> yeah. Well, going. like, on purpose? Or... <laughs> Yeah, I hope so because it's like I don't want like something bad to happen to you, and like Lions, nobody figures it out. Lions work as vanilla gorilla, honky Kong stop. Tom laughed my ass off. Yeah, yeah, that's old, man. I came up with that. How long ago was that? The vanilla gorilla? A long time ago. It was a long time. Was like years ago. Vanilla gorilla and honky Kong. I think honky Kong is my favorite. Honky Kong, yeah. <laughs> that and the abdominal <laughs> abdominal snowman. snowman. The that was when I. That's snowman. when I fucking had a bigger belly. That was before I started working out. I called myself the <laughs> abdominal snowman. <laughs> I can tell a story about that, but I'm not going to tell a story right now. I mean, you might have told it before, but yeah, it's kind of a dirty, it's, it's kind of a dirty story. Yeah, me and Jen were in bed together at a hotel, and and Jen and Dimitri, our friends, were in the bed next to us. And this was after we, we came were at back the vampire ball at the vampire at ball at the castle in Tampa. And I'm fucking trying to get it on and shit. And, and fucking and Jen and Demetri in the bed next to us, fucking laughing, giggling. And I fucking, I had, I had the fucking sheet around me, and I fucking, I'm between Jenny's legs, and I fucking come up like they're going. And fucking, and fucking, and fucking we were Dimitri's all very, like, we were all very drunk. Yeah, Demetri's like, <laughs> "What's wrong, Tom? What's wrong?" And I go, "It's I'm the abdominal snowman." And they started fucking laughing and shit. This is fucking funny shit. <laughs> Man. That, yeah. was a, that was a fun night, actually. How long ago was that? That was like several. That was five, five years ago, maybe? Probably. Yeah, okay. Four or five years ago, something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's like the big vampire ball. Yeah, we stayed overnight yeah. at a Jen, Hilton or something. Jen and Dimitri, we've been known them for fucking over ten years. Dimitri is a local DJ, Okay. I represented him and got him into fucking independent bar. His wife, Jen, is a lead singer of 13th Angel. She's got long black hair and bob. Good looking girl. Her, She's got two daughters. One daughter, they both look grown too. They, they, well, they are grown. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about? They all look the same age. Yeah. They show up to the club sometimes and they all look to be like just a bunch of Hot women hanging out. They're they're all mothers and daughters. It's ridiculous. Make you feel old as shit, doesn't it? But they all it look the same kinda. age. Yeah, they, they, all, they, they all look about like the same age. They look like they'd be friends hanging out. Yeah, because she has one daughter that's 21, 22, mm -hmm. and then she has one that's 18 or 19 yeah. or something like that. And the older daughter looks just like um, um, Ross. Her last name is Ross, too. Uh, fuck it. Laura. Laura, yeah. Laura Ross. With no relation between me and her, but she got the same name as me. She looks just like Laura. She does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lion X Warrior Foursomes. I knew you and Jenny were freaky. <laughs> Shit happens, man. Fucking, I mean, you know. it's Well, it's not like anything happened between us and them. It was just, just going happening. on in the I'll, same yeah, room. Yeah, fucking we'll be me and me and fucking Dimitri high fiving each other, you know. Fucking shit, it's, you never can't tell, you know. You never can't tell what happened. Especially with that much alcohol on the yeah. mix. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's all fucking shit. Gets crazy. It's like something out of a movie. <laughs> shit gets crazy. When people drink. I don't know what kind of movie. And we it was, drank a lot though. But like I said, yeah. we were it. It was good because yeah. it's like everybody drank a lot, but nobody was like. Everybody was like in a really really yeah. good mood, but they were like really really fucked up. Thank you very much. Thank Bridget. you, Bridget. 
Yeah. Not much, but thank you for all your show work. <laughs> Aw, thank you very much. We appreciate all of you guys, and we appreciate anything. So. Tyler's saying I'm savage. Thank you very much, bro. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. All right, so um, do you want to, like, get Go ahead, to, start get this to talking bitch about start this? this or Start this bitch off. Although Zach says I'd like to try three-way at least once. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to address. How that. many women are going to be involved in that, Zach? Well, it's, why he's going to say none. Involved? He's yeah. going to say none. Yeah, you don't, you don't want yeah. women involved. <laughs> women have cooties. Zach's going to say none. Yeah, <laughs> women have cooties. Try to bring Zach on over to the dark side. <laughs> Let me go to the restroom. Go ahead, Jen. I'm going to put some more. Uh, want some more ice in this? Yeah, I'm getting kind of melty. Okay getting kind of melted and it's like not even hot in here it's cold outside i mean it's not well i guess it's kind of cold outside what does it say i got my little temperature right here it's 44 degrees fahrenheit outside right now and it's mostly cloudy so it's kind of cold out it's not as cold as it was last night but you know what i mean i even had to put my like uh little badger slippers on earlier because my feet were cold but you know i'm not gonna turn the heat on because fuck that it has to be really cold for me to turn the heat on all right so let's talk about Timothy fucking McVeigh. Here's this asshole. So he was born in a place called Lockport, New York. Now, uh, he, he just, from everything that I could determine, they said that his upbringing was just like completely normal and completely boring and just kind of like just your regular white bread, suburban kind of upbringing like nothing unusual in the slightest so his parents divorced when he was 10 and he actually got brought up by his dad in pendleton new york now he said um timothy mcveigh later said that he got bullied in school i don't know how what the extent of it was or like how true that was or anything like that um and basically he went into a thing because i kind of feel like he was sort of like an introverted kid he's like he's pretty intelligent um i think they did an iq test on him it was like 126 something like that which is not genius but it's like you know significantly above average so but you know he seemed kind of quiet and i don't you know and he was kind of like skinny a little bit i think they called him like noodle <laughs> i heard that that was like one of his uh nicknames so however much he got bullied i don't know but like um if he did he apparently or he said that he had like all these kind of like fantasies about retaliating against the bullies and some people have said that maybe this is what kind of like planted the seed because later on he would go on to say like when he was an adult that it's like oh he he grew to think of like the u.s government or the federal government as like the ultimate bully kind of situation so you know i, I don't know if that's true but like i said so, um, so as I mentioned, as a kid, they said that he was generally like pretty shy, pretty quiet, a little bit withdrawn, um, but not unusual. Like there was nothing weird about him. Like nobody thought he was creepy or anything like that. Um, apparently he only had one girlfriend, like as a teenager and, um, during, in one of his interviews, he just said that, um, he just wasn't good with women or he didn't have any idea how to relate to them or how to impress them or anything like that. So, you know, he didn't have, he had a little bit of maybe an incel kind of vibe going on as well. Um, so basically, so when he gets into high school though, and you have to think that this is like pretty early, this is early days of like computers, you know what I mean? 
So he actually got into kind of like computer hacking, just like in war games, <laughs> if you guys saw that movie from the early 1980s. So he has a Commodore 64, and he was able to like hack into like government computer systems, like I said, just like war games. And he didn't start a nuclear war or anything, obviously, but he was able to kind of like hack in there. And he had a, um, his handle was The Wanderer, which was taken from that, you know, that song. So, um, but yeah, so he was kind of like, I guess he was kind of like a computer nerd, like an early, an early iteration of that. Also, they said that, um, in high school, he was voted most talkative by his classmates, uh, as a joke because he didn't talk. <clears throat> so they thought that would be like really funny if they voted him that, you know what I mean? So, um, his granddad actually, um kind of like started buying him guns and like taking him out hunting and stuff like that, which, you know, I, I was watching a documentary earlier and they were talking to like some other people that knew him and like lived in the neighborhood and, you know, for the area that he grew up, it was kind of like, it wasn't rural, rural, but it was kind of like a small town, not unusual. Um, you know, hunting season was like a big deal and it's like, you know, fathers, sons, grandfathers, they would all go out hunting together and shit like that. So it wasn't like unusual for kids as soon as they were old enough to you know, know how to use guns and go out in the woods hunting and stuff like that. So nobody, again, nobody thought anything was unusual because everyone else was doing the same thing. My dad had me shooting the place up at about eight. Remington nylon fucking 66. Little, little white diamond on it. Yeah, I was good with that thing. Just shooting little fucking pieces of wood and cans and shit. It was fun. I loved it. Grew up with it. Second nature. Well, yeah, and it seemed like, I mean, there's a lot of communities in the, particularly in this one, this is um, Pendleton, New York. Is that upstate? I'm assuming that's upstate New York. Um, you know, and they said that it was very, very common for, yeah. like, kids that, it's not weird. Like, probably a lot freak, of, freak people out in Europe. I'm sitting there fucking throwing those little 22 rounds down the fucking buttstock of that Remington 66 and putting the thing and fucking, we consider them to be like a twenty-two. We consider that to be like a BB gun. You bought them. You bought them at Sears for like forty bucks. Nothing to them. Right next to the BB gun. We didn't really see any difference between a BB gun and a twenty-two. So they were just fun, you know. Uh, Camp guy said, "Didn't they execute the other guys?" Well, Terry Nichols. No, he just got life in prison. Uh, but they did execute Tim McVeigh, though. <laughs> Spoiler alert: in two thousand one. Uh, Lion X says, uh, Jenny, it's not cold in Florida. You're blessed. Trust me. Actually, I'm not complaining. I really like cold weather. Like, well, you know, it's cold for Florida. 44 is cold for Florida, but I like it. And I, it was actually cold on Christmas, which it hardly ever is. So got I was down like, in the twenties. I, I was very, very excited. Yeah. Cause I was like, Ooh, it's, it feels like real, real winter. It was like amazing. Zach said, I never got making fun of people who were skinny. These days, it seems like that's all people want to be. Yeah. Isn't it weird? Because like my brother... Well, I have two brothers, but the one that's four years younger than me, like when he was a little kid, he was like super, super skinny. And so like, yeah, like my family members and stuff used to like make fun of him. And it's like, oh, you better watch it when you take a shower. You're going to slip down the drain because <laughs> he was like so skinny and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I don't know. I just think that's like really, really odd. Now I just kind of feel like more. <laughs> You'd think that like people would be jealous because everyone else is like getting so fat. You know what I mean? Ben said they used to make fun of people for being smart. Yeah, I got made fun of for being smart a lot. <laughs> and that's it. It might still be going on. I don't know. But when I was in school, yeah, they used to make fun of you for being smart for sure. 
Um, let me see. Uh, Tyler, the guy said, I'm so uncultured that instead of war games, my immediate thought was hackers from 1995. <laughs> that was a terrible fucking movie, too. War games is good, though. I mean, it's very 80s. I haven't but... seen that in a long time. Yeah. I saw it. It was, it was, um, it was for free on some streaming service the other day. And I was like, oh, I kind of wanted to watch it again. I've seen it like a million times. <laughs> Ben's like, nerd. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the kid, Timothy McVeigh, uh, he got kind of shitty grades. Uh, he graduated in 1986. So, ooh, that's crazy. He's only four years older than me then. Yeah, because I graduated in 1990. They were my age, I think. Yeah, he's the same age as you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so after he graduated from high school, like I said, he'd always kind of been into guns because of granddad and, like, hunting and stuff like that. But he got, like, really way more into it. Like, he was always, like, reading magazines about it. And he got kind of, like, a little bit obsessed, I'm going to say. It was, like, a little bit of an obsession. Now, he did actually go to college for a little while. But then he dropped out. And then he went to work as, like, a... He was, like, guarded an armored car. Like, that kind of thing. And um, even his co-workers were, like... Yeah, he's a little gun crazy, you know what I mean? And even among, like, the guards of, like, armored cars and stuff, it's like, it's a little much, you know what I mean? So even they were saying it was a little much. Um, I'm going to come to his defense. Well, no, they said he came to work one day and he had fucking bandoliers on. That's like, funny, with fucking, Which I was just like, mm, yeah, that's a little... Why okay. would you go to work like that? I don't know, he thought... Well, he was an armored car driver, wasn't he? Right, but, like, that's was, not part of the... He was trying to upgrade. But that's not part of the standard try, uniform. Yeah, he was trying to upgrade. All right, look, here's the deal. I remember those days. If you were into to, uh, to firearms, you would get you could get really fucking interested in them in those days because they were so mysterious. They they had all these publications and all these magazines that you could you could uh, get just at your local stores. And they were using a lingo and a terminology you really wouldn't be all that familiar with if if you if you didn't have a proper education in them. It was like joining a scene. So it took a while to understand what it was they were talking about. Like, what does blowback action mean? You know, what is delayed blowback? What is fucking gas operation? What's what's piston operation? So you don't know what it is they're fucking talking about. And this is pre-internet. So it would take years of reading these fucking articles about these different kinds of firearms and whatever it is they're talking about before you were able to put it together what the fuck they were talking about. Had it been the age of the internet... I could have just Googled what th this terminology and figured it out in a couple weeks, probably. You know, the rate of learning today is much faster than it was. Well, shit, man, if days. you can just sit here and say, it's like, oh, I'd like yeah. to learn how to do this. And like right. literally in a minute, you can like find out how right. to do that. Right. So back in the days that McVeigh is talking about, I was because I was kind of like that. I was like real curious about what, what this terminal, what are they talking, what is kinetic energy? How do you compute kinetic energy? What is fucking ballistic gelatin? What is fucking, you know, so all the terminology, would t it took longer to learn back then. Looking back on it, I don't know how we fucking did it, but it was more, everything was more mysterious. It was an age of mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Today well, you, you had to find, spend a lot spend, longer, yeah, like right, right, learning so, stuff. And because it took longer and it was harder, you were kind of like joining an elite group now. You know, only a few dudes knew what you were talking about. So that's probably what he was going through. Probably, yeah. although, like I said, 
It's a little weird. Like there were a lot of dudes like that. showing up to work. Well, yeah. see, and that's what I'm saying. It's just that, you know, in hindsight, it's really yeah. easy to be like, you know, you pick up. Well, it's just like when we talk about serial killers, and they're just like, yeah, he did this, that, and the other thing when he was a kid, which. Sometimes, if you didn't know that that person became a serial right. killer, it wouldn't necessarily seem all that weird. Well, like I said, you know, him being, like, rolling into guns and stuff like that wasn't that unusual for the area. Yeah. Nobody thought yeah. anything about it, really. Like, well, when he started work, yeah. like, at the armored car place, and they said, okay, him showing up with the bandoliers, that's weird. Yeah, that was, okay. But, like, other than that, like, I don't think anybody really, and no. they thought he was, like, kind of quiet, but nobody said, oh, my God, that's a right. serial killer, like, in training or now, anything. Now, I remember this. I remember this, though. Going to a firearms range in the 80s and, and in the early 90s, pre-internet, you'd show up there and all the older guys were into sporting rifles and sporting pistols with a lot of wood on them, a lot of Italian shotguns, and they're fucking shooting trap and shit. And if you showed up with a Norinco AK or some something that had a military heritage, they looked at you like, well, why do you have that? Because look at it, man. It's fucking cool, you know? Look at this thing. A lot more fun. So... <clears throat> They didn't have shooting sports that were militarized. They do now. The shit that, what they're talking about, he's showing up with bandoliers, that would have been satiated, okay, had they had military action shooting events back in those days. Yeah. Because well, they have it now. Because you would have had more outlets. You have like more outlets, like. right. Now you got guys who are wearing, they'll fucking wear military uniforms that match the rifle that they have and all the carrying equipment. They'll run through a speed course with pop-up targets and they're all being timed. Uh, you know, so they have all these new events. They're action shooting events. And people go, well, oh, that's dangerous. That's crazy. Well, they had, for forever here in the United States, they had the same thing of cowboy action shooting events where you're running through a damn course with the fucking Colt six shooters and lever action fucking carbines and double double barreled shotguns going through an old West town, you know, also cool. And you're on a timer, all right. Or you're just quick draw events. Well, they have that now with modern firearms, like military shit. So had they had that back in McVeigh's time, he'd have been into that. And he and, and it probably wouldn't have been as it's not as it did. It's not as it doesn't have the mystique or the mystery today as it did back then, because well, now it's it's, it's as it's we every... talked. I think in some ways there is some equivalent, yeah. Because we talked before about you don't see the same kinds of serial killers to the same extent that right. you used to see them, like in the '60s and '70s, yeah, which was like the nuts. heyday, yeah. and like I kind of feel like into the late '80s, and then yeah. it started declining, but like. Now that we have, like, the internet, people can, like, look at, like, fucked up porn, or you can, like, yeah. kind of get into groups with other people who have the same weird proclivities as you, so nobody feels as isolated, nobody yeah. feels like, like, if you have really, really strange thoughts or really strange fetishes or something yeah. like that, you can find, like, a whole community of people who are also into yeah. that, who you can talk to, even if you don't meet them in person. So I kind of feel like, in a lot of ways... That's why I'm, I never, like, you know, people are like, oh, the internet, oh, it's so bad, and everything like that. I don't think it is. I think there's bad things about it, obviously, just like anything else. But I think in the aggregate, it's probably been, like, a positive because... It's like a pressure release valve. Because it's a pressure release valve. And yeah. I kind of feel like, had this, had Timothy... Now, I don't know this, because yeah. it's like, you'll never know, because he was one guy. Um, but I kind of feel like maybe... 
had he been born at a different time, somebody mentioned earlier, you know, he could have maybe he, he, he would just had a YouTube show or something yeah. like that, and he could have talked to other like-minded people, and he probably wouldn't have felt the need, yeah, to do that. I mean, I've, he might have still done it anyway because people still do do that. Shit, he would have but... been a, he would have been an, an online activist, is what he would have been. Right, he had a show, it had been complaining about it, and this, that's what he would have been. And um, same thing with because. If you look at the United States, the way it is now, it is awash with paramilitary equipment and weapons. The dudes that are doing these fucked up shootings, they're not from that paramilitary action scene where they're going to those fucking ranges and doing all the fucking clubs and shit. It's not them. The dudes that are doing these shootings is usually some pussy-ass kid who takes that fucking thing or buys something or they take it from their dad, or they fucking buy something, and they don't really know anything about it, and they go out and fucking shoot up some bullshit. Okay, that's they're not from that action shooting scene, but the existence of that action shooting scene is probably releasing a lot of pressure. Yeah, because um, people are finding a community. You can yeah. go there, you can hang right. out, you can do shit you like to do, you can hang out with people that have the same. Had you taken that nutcase who did that shoot in reverse time and put him in one of them clubs, he probably have been all right. Yeah, I mean, Probably like I said, you don't know. He might have still you don't been know. Anyway, still but... but a lot of times those dudes are isolated and they're um, they're in a bad situation, and it's a form of suicide. They're killing themselves and taking everybody with them is what they're doing. You know. Another yeah. thing too was I kind of feel like Timothy McVeigh, and uh, one of his things was he kind of just, and I guess this happens nowadays too, but he just kind of goes further and further down a rabbit hole. And because he was kind of introverted, he only really interacted with people who believed the same things as him. Yeah. So he was in an echo chamber. So he kind of just got yeah. like more and more radicalized. Yeah. Like as time went on. Well, and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen nowadays. It does. Yeah. But I yeah. kind of feel like it's much easier to access like other viewpoints and stuff. It happens today and it happens kind of with everybody. It's just the thing is, is that this was a particular dude with a particular skill set and mindset in a particular bubble, at a particular time, it was a one-off. You know, there. This really hadn't happened again. Um, I mean, yeah. I, well, the thing about yeah. it, this is still to this day still one of the big ones. Um, yeah. Well, it's the worst domestic yeah. terrorist attack yeah. because you see, yeah, like obviously nine eleven, but that was you know a foreign. That was uh, you know international terrorism. This was the. This is still the worst domestic terrorist yeah. attack. And this happened in 1995. Yeah. 168 people dead. Yeah. We call it terrorism. He wouldn't have considered it terrorism. Everything is a point of view. He would have saw it as rebellion. But Well, yeah, that's I just, know. They but, all, they're all like that. But see, yeah. that's the thing about it, right. is that sometimes like murderers and stuff like yeah. that, they don't call it like what it is. Right, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, well, just like Obi-Wan said, fucking many of the th- truths that we cling to... Uh, depend upon a certain point of view and um, you know it's, it's been often said that one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter uh, which there yeah it is true uh, a lot of the Islamic terror if you look at it from their viewpoint with their scriptures and their cultural uh, value system they think they're doing a good thing you know well, the thing about it, and, you know, most people know this, but I kind of feel like everybody that, you know, you look back in history and it's like, oh, that was an evil motherfucker. Um, 99% of those people thought they were doing yeah. the right thing. Yeah. That's kind of what makes 
them fascinating yeah. in a lot of ways. But it's, it's also what makes them terrifying is because yeah. you can really, if you get in a certain headspace, you can kind of justify anything. Yeah. Just look at Mustache Man and the Germans. That's yeah. what I'm saying. They were convinced that, they, that they God didn't, was on their side. They didn't think they were evil. No. That didn't occur to them. No, they're stamping out evil in their mind. Right. They're, you know. That's what I mean. That's, That's what I find fascinating about this kind of stuff is like yeah. that kind of like uh, point of view where you can pretty much do yeah. like the most monstrous things imaginable that, you know, the major vast majority of people on Earth would think was monstrous. Yeah. But you can justify and you're like, what? I'm just, you know, I'm doing like a good thing over here. <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, whatever. Um, all right. So where was I? Okay. So in 1988 when Timothy McVeigh was 20 years old. Um, he was kind of, like I said, he had some jobs here and there, but he seemed like he was kind of like uh, rootless, a little bit shiftless, you know what I mean? So he enlisted in the army. So he goes to basic training and uh, that was at Fort Benning. Now, when he was in the army, um, you know, obviously he still, uh, you know, was real interested in uh, in guns and firearms, you know, in like sniper tactics, stuff like that. Um, and he started getting interested in bombs as well. Now, he did actually get in trouble when he was in the army a couple times uh, for buying some uh, like white power merchandise. So, you know what I mean? Uh, so there was that. Now, Terry Nichols, who was the guy that was uh, convicted as his co-conspirator later on in the bombing, was actually his uh, platoon guide, platoon leader, something like that. But he was like, so they kind of like befriended one another because they had like similar uh, viewpoints and similar like backgrounds and things like that. So uh, they later got transferred to, uh, they were at Fort Riley, that's in Kansas. So they were there together. And uh, that was where the two of them met the uh, third accomplice, whose name was Michael, was it Fortier or Fortier? Now I can't remember, because I've heard it pronounced like in the documentary, but I can't remember how they pronounced it. So uh, Timothy McVeigh was actually like a decent, uh, you know, army. He was a decent soldier, you know what I mean? He was a gunner. And um, he actually got promoted to sergeant now, after he got promoted, um, one of the things that kind of went around about him was that he um, used the N-word a lot, and he would usually give the black soldiers um, shittier duties, you know. So he kind of got a reputation for being a little bit racist. So got that, uh, got that going for him, you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah. So then he got, uh, he went to uh, Operation Desert Storm. So, you know, he got sent out for that. Now, uh, he says in an interview that they did later on, like after he got caught for the Oklahoma City bombing, that he said um, on the first day that he was in the Gulf War, um, that he had hit an Iraqi tank from 500 yards away. And also another story that he likes to tell, and I'm guessing this is true, but that like with his uh, cannon, he actually like shot off a dude's head, like one of, like an Iraqi like popped up like that, and he like shot his head off, like it went off like in a red mist or something, and apparently that was like kind of um, a formative moment, I guess it seemed like, because he brought it up more than once. 
So um, he actually, over the course of the war, got several service awards. He got the Bronze Star uh, Medal, like National Defense Service Medal, Southwest Asia Service Medal, Army Service Ribbon, and the Kuwaiti Liberation Medal. So he got a bunch of stuff there. Now, he actually wanted to join Special Forces. So after he got back from his tour of the Gulf, in the Gulf War, he actually went into the selection program for Special Forces. But on the second day of the three-week thing, so uh, actually, yeah. he um, dropped out. Yeah. Now, he told the other guys that it was because, oh, I hurt myself, like I hurt my ankle. But uh, they had the letter to his superiors where he said that he was not, quote-unquote, physically ready. Yeah. So. That could be the same thing. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it meant or not. So he actually decided after that... Uh, thing is, the selection isn't three weeks. This must have been a pre-selection. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It just said, I'm just reading from my notes, and it yeah. just said a selection program for Army Special Forces. Yeah. And it was a 21-day assess assessment is what it was. Okay. And selection course. So I guess they were seeing, like, who had the... Could go on to, like, the main thing, maybe. Yeah, because the Q... The Q course, which is what we would consider selection, that goes on, I think, that's several months, you know, from what I remember. Okay. So I don't think it was selection. I think it might have been a pre-selection. Well, like I said, it says assessment. Okay, assessment. Yeah, okay. I just said that, assessment. All right, yeah. So I'm just saying that it's probably like the pre, like... The pre It's three weeks. Yeah, so he was in there for two days. It's kind of like pre-rip. You had ranger school, but you had to go through uh, fucking... Pre-Ranger, which is if you can make if you can make it through this fucking little two week course, you got a good chance of making it through Ranger School. E four Mafia said elite units are elite for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Very very few people. Their whole job like is to eliminate you. you, and I did not make it through Ranger School. Okay, I didn't make it to Ranger School. Fucking. Um, well, you said it was the the swimming one or the, swimming. the, or swim the water test. swim test kind of stuff. Yeah. I had to go down and go get a fucking rucksack off the bottom of the fucking pool. I think it was twelve foot pool. And swim back up when you're in full equipment with helmet and rifle. And on the way up, I fucking dropped that thing. And so I went then there to swim back down to go get it. And they pulled me up. I was on the line. And, there says, and, and I said, dude, you pulled me up. I could have got it. You're on a time limit. And it says, oh, no, you're running out of time. You never would have. You wouldn't have made it. You wouldn't have made it anyway. And there, you, there was like three things that you could fit. Uh, if you failed three things, that was it. And I don't remember what the other two things were. But, but I was pissed off over that swim test. Wait a minute, I might be getting confused with AIB, Expert Infantry Badge. It was just, I don't think you could fail anything out of fucking pre-ranger. You had to be able to make everything, remember. So it was swim test, yeah. It's yeah. hard, you're in boots, with a helmet. Yeah. You know, all that drag on you, and then the fucking rucksack fills up with fucking water. It's on a line. But they're not gonna pull up the line. You have right. to fucking swing. You have to swim up with it, and the fucking you have to have a rifle slung across your back. M16, A2. I imagine that knocks out a lot of people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people get knocked out by shit like that. Swim test. I could see that because yeah. that's like really really difficult, even for people that are like in really good shape. Yeah, uh, it not in those days. It was knocking a lot of black guys out. They're weak swimmers. Um, they don't grow up in an environment where swim from little kids. And we were always trying to figure it out. Black dudes in the infantry tended to sink. And they're, and I think it was because they got a high bone density 
and they were lean. They tend to be very lean, so there was no flotation on them. Yeah, so fat tend- loops, Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and, is- you know, a guy who's made it through, a black guy who's made it through the in- infantry, he's usually lean, at least in the time I was in. So they're not real good at floating. So it requires more effort. And they're in boots with a helmet. So they were at a slight handicap. I think it's just because of leanness and bone density. Probably, yeah. yeah. It probably has yeah. something to do Race with it. Race matters when it comes to the wild and physical shit. You know, white, white people can fucking tolerate cold a lot more than non-whites. We die later. You'll start to see black guys start suffering from fucking. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, like everything else, it's first. a spectrum, but a there spectrum. is. You start seeing them first. They're like the canaries in the coal mine. We're going, it's getting cold. Those guys are going down. If they go down, we're only 20 minutes behind them. The difference is only minutes. You know? Yeah. But the black guys go down first from cold weather injury. Yeah, this way it is. Biology, bitch. You can't run from it. But like you said, it's not a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. It was enough to make a difference a long time ago before everybody had modern clothing. Yeah. But still, you put dudes in fucking 20 degrees below zero, the clothing aren't as fucking cr- critical as you think they are. It's hard to fucking <laughs> survive that amount of wind chill, you know? Man, I was watching a fucking one of those shows the other day that, like, I survived whatever. Yeah. Like an old one. And that and remember that guy like that guy that guy survived like in a car yeah for like 2 weeks yeah in like sub zero temperatures and yeah. all he had was like a sleeping bag and like some fucking rice cakes yeah I was like man that guy's got some will to live well he survived because of that sleeping bag he never would have made it without it well bag. no he would have frozen it up yeah. well because yeah he wasn't planning on like getting yeah. stuck out there in the fucking middle of the he was just driving somewhere and right. the car broke down you know what i mean and then yeah. like there was a blizzard and he got buried but yeah, he was out there for two fucking weeks, mm. eating like fucking. He, all he had was rice, rice cakes, and banana chips, yeah. and a sleeping bag, and just like regular ass clothes. Like yeah. he didn't have a coat or nothing. I don't think, or nothing like you know. So you know, I mean, it can be done, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like most of the time it's not going to happen. But yeah, so uh, so he got honorably discharged. Like he decided to leave the army after he. They're calling me an anthropologist now. Yeah, I'm an anthropologist <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Line X Warriors said it's nothing to do with high bone density. American blacks are usually urban in the uh, Caribbean and Africa. Black dudes be swimming all the time. Yeah, well, the thing uh, yeah. Is, I think it's more like a cultural, like how they grow up more yeah, than anything. Yeah, but the guys that the guys that were going, the black guys that were going through pre ranger and ranger school were from the south and right. could, and could swim. It's just that they didn't quite swim as well as us, and and it's and they seemed it seemed to be to do that particular test because they were leaner. They had to put out more energy to get it up yeah. off the fucking bottom of the fucking pool and swim up the top with it. And we noticed that guys that had a little bit more fat on them floated better. So that particular task well, was fat easier. Does, fat does was easier to do. Because the guys that were getting knocked out, the black guys that were getting knocked out were all lean. Lean, fucking high muscle density, good bone density on them. Great runner bodies. You know what I mean? They're like good runner type guys, which fucking ranger got to run too. Infantry got to run. It's, it's a good skill. But they were lean, so at that particular test, it was harder for them. 
Camp Guy says women have an actual extra layer of fat over their bodies that men yeah. do not have. Actual anatomical difference in the sexes. Um, and he said, uh, where did it go? Makes women stronger than men in some survival situations. Yeah. I taught lifeguard training. Yeah. yeah um, I think it is generally easier for like women to float because they yeah. just generally more have more fat. more fat content. You know, that's just mm -hmm. biology. It doesn't so yeah, you go. You got a lifeguard degree in women. Yeah. Infantry black dudes tended to be lean. Okay. Which that gave them a lot of advantages, but not on that damn swim test. Okay. It was better to be a little bit fat. <laughs> for that it, test. For that particular Probably test. not for the running or no, for some no. other things. But, for but that see, test, that's the wanna, thing. It's right. like nobody is good at everything. Right, like right. everybody's going to have some. So that's kind yeah. of like where they get you. Yeah. So that's kind of why, you know, so many people get knocked out of it. Because it's very, very rare for somebody yeah. to be good at like all everything. those things. Right. You know what I mean? Like equally. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Jones Perkins says, uh, you guys are so entertaining. I can't figure out why you're not more popular. <laughs> they got us fucking shadow banned, man. I don't fucking, think we're shadow banned. We take over fucking, we would take over YouTube. We're almost to they 13, to. we're almost at 13,000. I'm excited. Shit, man. They got fucking channels that'll make fucking 20,000 fucking, 20,000 well, subscribers that. a week. Get up to like 1.5 million. I know that. And then they have to say, we, we gotta shut them off their 2 million. They'll do that too to people, but uh, I don't know why. Just it's how it is. Like, share, subscribe. We're an acquired taste. I like, guess. share, subscribe. This is a good talk show. <laughs> uh, we're about halfway through this. Well, okay. Look, okay. Once you get to, don't forget we got commercials we got to play. Well, I know that. Okay. But it's like we're not even halfway through yet. Just calm down. I mean, some of the stuff I'm gonna skip. It's like I I have more right. notes. I always have more notes than like I right. actually use. Because some of the stuff, like, I I kind of, like, read the stuff through yeah. earlier and, like, watch documentaries. But then, like, yeah. when I'm reading it, I'm like, that's nah, kind of boring. I'm going to skip that. But yeah. whatever. Zach says, uh, ironically, the most toxic community I've been in outside of some anime fandoms, like, online, yeah. is the screenwriting subreddit. Yeah. Um, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. Yeah, you'd think that it's, like, shit that is about stuff that's, like, not even that important, like, in the grand yeah. scheme, scheme of things. Like, people get really, really, um... Yeah. They, they get really into it, and I, I don't understand. I don't understand, yeah. like, why people get so upset about stuff that doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Got Sly down there. Sly, he, he's a, a black veteran from the Army, and he's given his statistics. He's 5'8". He weighs 170 pounds. He weighed that for 25 years until he reached 50, and now he weighs 185. He's 5'8". So, um, I'm still 10 pounds heavier than you. you got, we got to look at the damn... We got to look at the... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the body composition, how much muscle, how much fat. That's a factor. But Sly, you were there. You remember. Those fucking infantry dudes um, going through fucking pre-ranger schools, especially the black guys, tended to be the better runners... And they also tended to be lean. They had more problem with the swim test. The white dudes are like kind of, I don't know, they're almost like Eskimos. Some of them had a little bit more fat on them, but they could still complete those runs and the courses. They just floated better. And the black dudes that were going through the ranger programs when I was in, they were all country dudes. They were from the south, so they grew up swimming. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't urban like the other guy said. They were southern. 
Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, out in the middle of nowhere. Same profile, same culture as the white guys. Uh, ben says we're doing commercials now. Sponsorship shekels? No, we're not. Uh, we're not sponsored by anybody. They're our just, own commercials. They're commercials for like uh, yeah. my stuff that yeah. I that I make, like That's books and games and stuff. Uh, Camp Guy said women's extra layer of body fat is probably related to the evolution of childbearing needs. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Because honestly, um, you know, from a childbearing point of view, obviously it's more important for the woman to live longer. So she needs more fat stores. She needs more stuff so like she can feed babies and stuff like that. So that's why. Um, yeah. Ben says very crazy people get obsessed with movie characters and actors all the time. That's probably what it is. Um... It's just very silly to me that, you know, I know why it happens, but it is very silly to me that, like, so many people get so emotionally invested in movie characters, like, stuff that isn't real. Like, I love that shit, too. Like, I geek out about horror movies, I geek out about all that stuff, but... Like, I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, you know, if a movie comes out in a franchise that I loved and it's like, and I don't like it, I'm not going to get like, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. And it's like, I'm not going to get like that because it's like, geez, calm down. There's more important things to worry about. I got bigger problems. You know what I mean? I got way bigger problems than like that kind of crap. But yeah. But you know, I, I can see how people that maybe don't have other problems or maybe like dissociating their actual problems onto like fictional problems. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, so I don't really know. So, uh, so yeah, so McVeigh gets out of the army in 1991. He was honorably discharged. Cause like I said, he didn't uh, make it through to special forces. So at this point he started um, writing letters to the newspapers, you know, complaining about stuff. This was in 1992, and they still have, like, a lot of his stuff, obviously, because it was all published. So, um, you know, complaining about your kind of standard sort of stuff uh, that people would be complaining about, about uh, taxes, um, talking about imminent civil war. So talking about that back in 1992. Um, now, one thing that he did write complaining about, he actually wrote to um, one of his representatives at the time, whose name was uh, John LaFalse. And he actually wrote him a letter complaining about a woman who, I don't know if she got arrested or she got in trouble or something like that for like carrying mace in her purse, which, you know, I, I don't, I don't like to be agreeing with Timothy McVeigh on anything, but it's like, you know, I'm kind of with him on that. Like, I, I don't really like think that you should be getting in trouble for like carrying mace in your purse for Christ's sake. I mean, it's not like it's going to kill anybody, you know, you know, and it's like a good, like kind of self-defense thing. So, uh, so yeah. So he kind of goes through this where he's like writing letters to newspapers all the time. Now, later, like I said, he's kind of like a little bit of a drifter. It felt like he didn't really have, you know, he didn't really have any ambition in life or anything like that. So he's just kind of like wandering from place to place. And he moved in with Terry Nichols. Um, and they lived on, Terry Nichols had a brother named James. And they, he had a farm uh, in Michigan. So he moved in there. So they were all kind of like living there together. Now, apparently around this time period, Timothy McVeigh started complaining that the army had put a microchip in his butt that was tracking him. Like the army had put it in there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, I was, I was stepped away. He thought he got injected by a microchip? That there was a microchip in his butt. Who that, said like, this? Timothy McVeigh did. I didn't realize he said that. Yeah. That like. the Crazy. Yeah. 
Well, obviously. <laughs> You're only I just don't think really... they, I don't think they had that technology then. They had that kind of technology now. That kind of sound, yeah, but that, I mean, that was the kind of shit that people were saying, like, back in the early 90s, like, oh my god, they planted, like, a microchip. It's like, you know, that's kind of like shit that, not, not to be me, that's like shit that schizophrenics say. Like, that think that people are, like, implanting stuff and, like, tracking you. It's like, bitch, nobody cares what you're doing. Just trust me. Nobody cares. But, yeah, he thought that somebody had implanted a microchip in his butt so they could track him. Um, so, yeah. So, he had a job, but it wasn't, like, a great one. You know what I mean? Um, and he's just kind of living in with his friends and their family or whatever. Uh, and I guess he kind of developed a crush on... Are you drinking my drink no, now? No, I'm going to oh, okay. I thought you were, you were just like not looking at, you were just like taking it. I was like, what are you doing? So, um, and he, I guess he kind of like developed a crush on a coworker, but, um, you know, and maybe like asked her out and she was like, "Mm, nah, rather not. And then he got like real, uh, kind of upset about that. And so he wasn't real, like I said, he had a little bit of an incel vibe going on too. Like he wasn't real, um, he wasn't real slick with women. So there's that too. So that probably wasn't helping because I kind of feel like he felt like he was like, um, like I said, just adrift in life. He didn't really have any ambition, like bigger ambitions. He couldn't really find a girlfriend and he was frustrated about that. Um, you know, so, and he was mad about taxes and about the thing in his butt and all this other kind of stuff. So um, he starts getting like uh, a gambling problem too. And then he spent so much money gambling that he went into like horrible debt and then got a loan to try to pay back the debt, but then he couldn't pay back the loan. You know what I mean? So there was that. Um, And then uh, it adding salt, like throwing salt on the wound, I guess he got a letter evidently that, um, that he had been overpaid by the army, like while he was in the army, by like so a, they by like a thousand dollars or something, yeah. and like they wanted it back. Oh, and shit. he got like really, really mad about that. Like he, <laughs> like he wrote them a letter and everything. Damn. Part of the letter said, "Go ahead, take everything I own. Take my dignity. Damn. Feel good as you grow fat and rich at my expense, sucking yeah. my tax dollars and property." Which, like I said, I feel that. Okay, I feel the frustration, but it's just kind of like, I don't know, man. I guess <laughs> you're going to get fucked over. That's just what life is like. You know what I mean? No matter yeah. where you are. Um, so at this point, like Timothy McVeigh is just very, very, you know, anti-federal government, anti-everything. He got his sister all into it. Like his dad was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. He didn't want to hear it. But like he got his sister kind of into it too. So his dad was kind of like, yeah, may- you might want to like move out. And so he moved out into, like, some kind of, like, shitty little apartment. Now, the apartment apparently didn't have a telephone, because I'm assuming he couldn't afford one. So he had a job, but, like, his, you know, the his manager or whatever would, like, try to call him, like, hey, can you come in or something like that? And he didn't have a phone, so there's that. Now, he was a member at the NRA at this time, but he quit around this time period because he thought that they were too weak on gun rights, so there was that. So, um, 1993, the Waco siege, siege takes place. And, uh, McVeigh was so incensed by this that he actually drove there, like, while it was going on, because it went on for quite a long time. 
and he went there to kind of like join the protest or like show his support you know for the for the branch davidians and while he was there and there's like film of him there too like sitting on the front of like the hood of his car or whatever and so he starts like passing out literature and bumper stickers and stuff like that uh at the at the waco thing so uh after the waco siege took place he started going around like i said he would go around the country to like gun shows and stuff like that and he started handing out um cards with the name and address of uh lon horiuchi who was the guy at ruby ridge who had shot the the woman and the baby He's trying to dox him. So he, well, he did. He's doxing him, yeah. He did. And he's basically like, he didn't come out. I mean, I was going to say he didn't come out and say it, but he did come out and say, um, he would put the on the card, it said, in the hope that somebody in the Patriot movement would assassinate the sharpshooter. Yeah. So yeah. he was like handing those out at gun shows and stuff like that. So he was he was an FBI sniper, that guy, yeah. like John Horiichi. Yeah, who pulled the trigger and when he shouldn't have. Right, but, right, right. But the way fucking McVeigh's handling this. Nah. That's what I mean. I'm not saying that, like, nah. what he did was, what Horiuchi did yeah. was good. Obviously, it wasn't. But I'm just saying that it's, like, that's not cool either. That'll that doesn't that doesn't you. make it yeah. better. Yeah, two wrongs don't make a right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a lesson that should have been imparted, like, yeah. <laughs> like much earlier than this. It's just, you know. Could have used that dude as a tool to dismantle the ATF if you're pissed at the ATF. You know, you just... The, the fucking brutal way of, hey, n- knock this motherfucker off. Nah, that'll never work out. And the thing about it is, that'll like, even, even you. if you had done that, right. like, you know, just obviously that's morally repugnant, like I said, but it's like, what would that accomplish? It wouldn't accomplish anything. They'd, I don't think it would accomplish anything. No, they'd hire four more shooters like that. And put even them on from a, a pragmatic yep. standpoint, it's not. They're fighting, wise. You're fighting an institution, and that's not how you, that's not how you fight institutions. You fight institutions with lawyers and public sentiment. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there was that. Now, um, the thing about it was that when Timothy McVeigh was first thinking about his plan, like to get back at the U.S. government for Waco and Ruby Ridge, which was kind of his main thing, um, like you said, he was initially going to do a campaign of assassination and Horiuchi was actually high up on his list of like people that he wanted to assassinate. Um, so he actually was going to do that like before the whole, uh, bombing situation. So he becomes, um, kind of like, uh, a little bit well-known, like on the gun show circuit. Like I said, he'd go around the country and he would like kind of, um, he went like almost all over the u.s honestly like to different gun shows and he would start um he sold stuff like he would sell like um like someone mentioned earlier he'd sell copies of the turner diaries which you know if you don't know that came out in 1978 and was written by a neo-nazi like under a pseudonym and it's basically like it's a fictional novel but like i said it's kind of like a polemic in the sense that it's Kind of um, like a training manual. Well, yeah, it's it's basically like white. It's a white supremacist Bible, is what it is, because they're like we basically want to kill all blacks, Jews, liberals, that kind of stuff. Like that's what the story is about. And the opening scene of the book is um, somebody blowing up a federal building with a truck bomb. So they think that that's probably where he got the idea to do that. I was like, ooh, that sounds like a good idea. You know what I mean? 
from the Turner Diaries. I have because read it, he so. loved that fucking book, and he even had like notes from it. Like in the, I think even when they pulled him over, like when they caught him, like for the bombing, like he had like copied pages of it, like in his car, like in a folder yeah. and stuff like that. He was really, really into that book. I've never read it, so I really can't comment on it. It was my understanding that the the importance of the book really didn't have anything to do with the topics of fucking like white supremacy or anything what it was is it was more like a training manual on how to how to start an uprising or a rebellion and the tactics that were used oh it's it's absolutely about white supremacy yeah but that's not why they were reading it based on fucking what i remember like i said i never read it it was mostly talking about what the tactics to use to start an uprising and to bring down a government that that's why they were reading it it didn't really didn't have anything to do with anything else. It was just like more like a training manual. Well, I mean, just yeah, the characters I mean, were that way. You can say that, but, but like a couple of white supremacist groups used it as justification for um, some other similar like yeah. terror attacks. Now, evidently, like I said, evidently this is like a really poorly written book, and what well, they're talking doesn't surprise yes, me. Yes, it's not really. It, it, I've heard people that have read it, the synopsis is this. It's not really a good read, and it's poorly written. It was more of a, a way of, it, of demonstrating certain tactics that you could use against law enforcement and a federal government to uh, how to attack things like power, um, power distribution centers, you know, places. Attacking the, the infrastructure of a state or a government to get it to collapse and to get the to get the population to rise up in a, in a in a revolt, and that they would kill each other too during the rebellion was that's that's part of it. So it, that's the reason why I mean that was what I was told the reason why they were reading it mostly, more like a training manual than anything else. Didn't have a lot to do with ideology because they already had that ideology. Uh, yeah, they didn't need to spread that ideology. They already had it. It was the training factor in the story, evidently, why they were reading it. It was, you know, which I guess McVeigh did that. But the thing is, is that those tactics tend not to work. So I don't know why they're worried about it. It's pretty old-fashioned. They just, they just don't work. You start attacking a government openly like that, they retaliate. Okay? And uh, it doesn't really... They tend to button up and become even more hardcore. Uh, if you really want to fucking destroy a government, best thing to do is just ridicule it and expose it, expose the crimes that it's doing, and then um, get like-minded people to go to work for that government. And once they get inside there, you start usurping it, and and um, and then you can. You basically want a situation like what you saw with the Soviet Union, where one day it's there, three days later, it no longer exists. Everybody just walked away from it because its money wasn't worth anything. Nobody wanted to work for it. Nobody believed in it. That's how you really do it. If you fucking start attacking a government with kinetic force, in other words, fighting it, you now justify that government's existence. So that so it's counter. It's you know what I mean. It counters what 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 the goal is. You want that government to become overbearing. You want it to become stupid. And you want it to become tyrannical. That way it will lose public support. 
So in some ways, maybe attacking it, you might be able to get it to crack down that way. So it becomes, you're trying to, you're trying to make the government become a totalitarian society. Because nobody will like that. You can get rid of it that way. But that's kind of an inefficient way of doing it. What you want is you want what happened in the Soviet Union. Just undermine, undermine, undermine. 20 years of that and a bunch of perestroika strikes and, the next, and labor strikes and tax strikes. And the next thing you know, people just walk away from it. All right, so I'm going to run some commercials because I have to go to the bathroom. So if, see, I'm, I'm going to do commercial string two first. Okay. If, that, if I'm not back. I'll go back to one. Then go. All right, we're back. We've both gone to the restroom. What's, ha what's the matter? I was looking for my glasses. Where'd they go? How would I know? I must have set them down. <laughs> where are my glasses? He never knows where his glasses are. Uh, okay, so where was I? Okay, so it got to a point where Timothy McVeigh was one of those guys that it's like, he had a map that had all of the, what he thought were the most likely targets for nuclear attacks, like on the map, and he's like, I'm gonna buy some property, like, away from that. <laughs> like, in a kind of, you know, in a zone where they're not gonna, like, bomb. So he moves in with the third guy, uh, Michael Fortier. They moved to Arizona. Now, the two of them actually, like, lived together for a time. Now, Fortier was real into meth. Let's let's say that. Who was, who was into meth? Michael Fortier. The oh. He was the third guy oh, okay, that, they, yeah. that they knew. Yeah. Uh, kind of a – I don't know if I'd go so far as to say co-conspirator, but kind of. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, they were smoking pot, but you know, I don't give a shit about that. But yeah, so they were both doing meth. Now, apparently, like Timothy McVeigh did it too, but I guess he wasn't as into it as like um, the other dude was, because I think one of the reasons that they stopped, like, you know, that he moved out, was because Michael Fortier was like a meth head. You know what I mean? So, uh, so basically, April of 1993. Uh, Timothy McVeigh goes back to the farm in Michigan where Terry Nichols lived after living in Arizona with the other, with the meth head. So uh, because of the Waco siege, this seemed like it was kind of like the, the final nail in the coffin where Timothy McVeigh was like, well, I have to do something. And apparently Terry Nichols was kind of of the same mind because they start basically like making explosive, like pipe bombs and shit like that uh, in their houses you know, making explosives and jugs and crap like that. So, um, and then like at the gun shows that he was still going to, he starts doing shit like, um, you know, selling, uh, ATF hats that had like bullet holes shot through them. Um, you know, flare guns that he said could shoot down an ATF helicopter, shit like that. Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, gun, that's like a, what I was thinking. I was like, that must gun. be some flare gun. Yeah, I'd like to see that, yeah. <laughs> a flare gun that can shoot down a helicopter. I don't that's think he knows what a flare is. Motherfucker's lying. That's some bullshit right yeah. there. <laughs> flare just doesn't have the mass. It just bounced off a damn helicopter. Come on. <laughs> yeah. He's telling that to the rubes. Well, yeah, that's yeah. he was just trying to sell some shit, probably. Yeah. But yeah, he had all like all these kind of pamphlets and shit like that that he was like giving out and selling and crap like that. So, um also in the house, him and Terry Nichols are, like I said, making pipe bombs, experimenting with various explosives, uh, and shit like that. So 
there was all of that kind of nonsense going on. So uh, there was another thing that he was rolling into too, because remember how I said like after the Waco, while the Waco thing was going on, like and there were protesters and stuff, and he actually went there. He kind of like for some reason felt the need to like go places like where he thought I don't know what he thought he was going to do exactly, but he actually went. They know that he actually went to Area Fifty One because he thought there was like some shit going on there aliens man yeah i guess or like anywhere that he thought that the government was covering something up he's like i'm gonna go check this out for myself kind of situation like i said i don't know what he thought he was gonna do when he got there but you can't get in there well yeah that's (laughs) what i'm saying it's like what did you think you were gonna do you're just gonna sit there in your car and like no one's no one's gonna be intimidated bro they got fucking private security they won't let you into the fucking range it's a range that's all it's a fucking aircraft range you you ain't getting in there Yeah, I mean, you know, it's yeah, just that it's kind just of... McDonnell Douglas and fucking Lockheed, Lockheed Martin. I don't know. I kind of feel there these kind of guys. I kind of feel like there's a little bit of. I think they think that they're like more important or scary than they actually are in real life. He thought something was being hidden from him, right? From him specifically. Yeah, and I'm just kind of He's like expose it. Yeah, and I'm just like, no, you're not gonna. You're not. I admire his balls, though. <laughs> like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this shit out. I'm gonna show y'all. I'm gonna, they're lying. They got a UFO. <laughs> I saw alien UFO. autopsy. Yeah, they got a UFO on there. We're gonna see it. I'm not laughing at UFOs or anything. When did it? When did alien? Don't take me the wrong way. When did alien autopsy come out? That must have been around '96. Maybe ninety-five, ninety-six. I remember when it came out. I rented I it. I rented I it from. It. I rented it from the local fucking. You actually paid for that Yeah, show? I wanted to see that shit. I was fucking amazed, man. I was. I had to watch. <laughs> stop fucking laughing. I had to watch that thing three or four times, <sighs> and really like. It was a different era. Okay, it was a very different time. I had to watch that fucking video three or four times, and to get over the the, the initial emotions behind it, to where I could just rationally analyze what I was being seen and I went no no that's that's a reenactment can't be you know that's a rubber dummy it, but it took me a couple times I had to they watch weren't even couple... doing an autopsy right no. it's like have yeah, you guys like... ever seen a fucking right. NCIS or anything like that come on that's yeah, not how you do an like, autopsy that's pretty low tech man for fucking doing an autopsy on an alien body and they're just pulling shit out of there. That that's that's just random. <laughs> You're just pulling out stuff. They're not measuring it yeah, or yeah. like putting it. They weren't yeah. doing anything like that that yeah. you would normally do if this is like an alien being. Yeah, and they're just doing it in like a fake doctor's office that could have been anywhere. You know, it looked like just a, an empty room with a clock. I remember that and some tables. And I'm like, wait a minute. Even in the 40s, they would have been a group of dudes, like seven or eight fucking doctors, and they would have been. This shit would have went slowly. What they're doing? Well, yeah, yeah. like I said, this is an right. alien being. Right, right. They'd have been like super careful. There'd right. have been like all kind of people in there, like yeah. looking at it. It wouldn't have been a general fucking thing like meatball surgery where we just cut somebody <laughs> open and throw some shit in the bag. It's like, that's okay, a human. We've seen this it shit would have before. Been, <laughs> it wouldn't have been one film. It would have been about a hundred of them. Each one of them about five, and it would have been slowly meticulously detailing yeah skin texture because the anatomy would have been entirely yeah. different they it, would have been like right. cataloging every single yeah, thing yeah they would have had a whole fucking hour-long feature of making an incision along the abdomen and fucking you know they, they, and they would have been all kinds of stuff because that's the way those dudes did shit back then yeah they just didn't 
they were a lot more advanced than you think they were in the 40s, 30s, 50s. Those motherfuckers wore pocket protectors, okay? They wore pocket protectors. They had they, glasses. They, were they had slide rules. They thought about shit. They talked about it. They wrote it down on napkins while they were drinking. Fucking, they'd have, have titty girls out in the fucking bar, and they're talking about rocket technology, okay? Fucking, my granddad was one of them, all right? They took that shit very seriously. They thought about it because they didn't have computers. They, you couldn't rely on a computer. So everything was done by a plan, by a team. Motherfuckers wore ties. They had a tie on when they did this. Okay, short sleeve shirts, pocket protector, tie, and fucking coke bottle glasses, like nerdy as shit. That's who would have been there. There'd have been about twenty of them. Nerds made the world big. Nerding the fuck out. Yeah, and it would everything would have been done real slowly. If we left it up to y'all dumb motherfuckers, yeah. we'd still be like living in caves. And that body, <laughs> they wouldn't have had that body just sitting on a table. All right, it would be. Sitting in a fucking like a an aquarium filled with fucking ice, and you would have only seen where they were making that incision, because they would want to mess with that body for fucking months, so it would never be off of ice. I think it would be constantly kept real cold. They wouldn't want it to rot. You know, they just had this shit sitting up on the table throwing. Because it was just made of rubber. It was made of rubber. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah. They actually even figured out where they got it from. Like yeah. later on, they were able to like source yeah. where they got it from. Yeah, I had to calm down though. Had Sly to... said Tom rented alien autopsy. <laughs> yeah, I rented alien autopsy. <laughs> That's what I said. Get too. the fuck off the channel. <laughs> Get the fuck off the channel. Ban that man. <laughs> no, I fucking I... dude. It was the times, man. Fucking they, that shit came out the video store. I was living in Boston at that time, and I rented that shit. And the fucking people. <laughs> Bostonians are fucking some snooty motherfuckers. I ran to rent that shit, and they were fucking snickering, looking at each other. I would have snickered, like, too, not going to lie. <laughs> he's getting that shit, there. And I was like, fuck you bitches. I want to see the alien autopsy, man. Like, it's real aliens. Shut up. Because yeah, I kept going in there getting uh, alien shit. I lost all respect from these fucking people that worked at the damn video store. Yankees, you know. That's How'd I, that make you feel, Tom? Made me feel bad. <laughs> Fucking, it's Yankees. That's how they do shit, man. They're looking at me, rolling their like eyes. Like I said, I'm from the South, and I probably would have laughed at you, too. Yeah, they're rolling their <laughs> eyes and shit. I'm like, fuck you, bitch. I want to see the fucking alien program, man. Just watching X-Files and shit. Uh, well, there's nothing wrong with the X-Files. That's fictional. Just watching that, too, man. Now, that's why that alien autopsy <laughs> video appeared, because of X-Files. Mm-hmm. Because that, that was big. Well, yeah. That was like, then, that was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, and then it came out with that, and people, everybody fucking looked at it. Rick Shaw said, I, I, I miss video stores. Yeah. I do too, kind of, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. I mean, it's much better nowadays, because yeah. I can just watch whatever the fuck I want, like, whenever the fuck I want, which is like... That's where you could, you could meet a cute girl at the video store. You had cute ones working in there. You had cute ones going in there renting videos. You'd try to chase them. It'd be, it was good back in the day, you know? You were in your Wait, 20s. you chased him around, chased the, him around, around the thing, like, like on the like, Benny Hill show? Yeah, you're like, how you doing? <laughs> what kind of movie you want to see? Because there was no internet, you know? And I was in my 20s back then. So, you know, you could do that back then. I'd be like, I'm writing Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah. You're like, <laughs> yeah. When you were like fucking 22, you were looking for one that was like 18 or 19, so you were younger than you, you know? Fucking, because, you know, you might be able to impress her. Because you wouldn't impress a nobody at 24. You didn't have the fucking money. 
you know. <laughs> but an 18 or a 19 year old girl, she's just out of the house. Maybe she might, for all you know, she's a high school senior or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, I was hanging out with these yeah, guys. Yeah, she's still like dumb and naive. <laughs> well, no, you're a big move up. You're, a, you're a big step up. You can buy. You can buy. You can, you can get booze and shit. Yeah, I remember all yeah, that. Yeah, get us some booze and some you popcorn. Go get us some booze. We'll be over at your place. Yeah, there are like four of them will show up. Hey. Yeah, all of them underage. Girls are practical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like 22. You're thinking you're king of the fucking world, man. <laughs> <laughs> they just like that you're over 21 and you can buy them. Yeah, you're over 21, yeah. It's that's, just, that's, that's how it was, man. That's they, how it was. They, they don't really like you for you. They just they yeah. like your ability to buy beer. It didn't matter. It didn't well, no, matter in those days. It didn't matter. I know. Men, were, dudes were practical too. You're like, okay. <laughs> Rick Shaw said, "I miss chasing women around the Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I they don't. weren't women. They were girls. <laughs> I wasn't quite a man. 22, 23, 24, around that. <laughs> like 19, 20, a couple of years younger, you know. All right. So where was I? We got distracted yeah, yeah. by Area 51. Yeah, Area 51. Because of I alien, didn't know he went to Area 51. Yeah, he actually went to Area 51. So he's full spectrum. He's full spectrum. He's yeah. trying to find aliens. And full spectrum of something. Full spectrum, yeah. He's aliens, pipe bombs, uh, worried about the ATF. <laughs> fucking, yeah, okay. He's got the whole fucking conspiracy yeah. package going yeah. on. Like, all, like the, all the conspiracies. If you got a conspiracy, he's going he's gonna to buy yeah. into that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, and they're ex-military, so they do have some skills and some, some experience. So it's... Uh, it's strange, but you know, uh, you know, fucking. I, I've seen, I've seen interviews with him. His, his, uh, his understanding of fucking how to deal with fucking the America's problems weren't weren't fucking uh, weren't really fucking wasn't the most efficient. Way He's to do not it. a sophisticated. <laughs> no, simple. Well, the thing simple. about it is that he, like I said, um, I don't know if you were here when I said, but he had like an above average yeah. IQ. Like Everything. he wasn't a dummy. They used info and they made a bunch of shit. And they, right. They, they they had technical expertise, really, and an intelligence, but naivete though, very naive. Yeah, very I naive. I just kind of feel like in a lot of ways that's yeah. like they were good at things, like they could right. do things, but they didn't roll. They didn't have a real sophisticated no. grasp on 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 fucking politics. And yeah. Fucking and how society works and how they were going to react to this. They thought they were going to make. They thought this shit was going to catch on. Okay. He really did. He really yeah. did seem to think that. that they were going to be fucking like revolutionary, fucking the founders of a revolution. They'll be heroes later on in history. No, that's not how it's gonna, shit's going to work. Your your movement has to win before history can be rewritten. And when you don't win, you're always written out as the villain. Okay. Uh, other guys like this were written in as as heroes. All America's revolutionary fucking heroes were guys kind of like this. They were breaking into judges' houses and tar and feathering them. You know, shit like that. Nowadays, they'd call that a terrorist, you know? Fucking George Washington would have been a terrorist by today's standards. By the standards, I think the British just considered him a fucking terrorist, you know? So, you have to win, all right? And there's no way these guys were going to win. He should have thought, they should have known that. But optimism, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's misplacing it. He's he's expending energy on on a tactic that's not going to work. High-profile explosions and shit on federal buildings. You're not going to fucking win hearts and minds by doing that. It's not going to become a thing. It's just not. Well, That's shit, not it, it. Uh, honestly, it re- it spectacularly backfired mm-hmm. because not only did everybody like immediately think that he yeah. was a monster and hate him, but yeah. 
they even actually talked about like people so many people wanted to see him get executed yeah. that they had to have a fucking lottery right because they couldn't fit all the people that wanted to see no. him die yep that's how much they fucking hated him he didn't control the media and no there's no propaganda outlets so fucking they can spin a narrative they can say whatever they want about you and you can't counter it so they can turn public against you and an average person during that time had no idea what this was. I remember I was there at the time. The average person had no idea what happened. He's just some dude that blew up a building and killed some kids. There's no, no, you know what I mean? The public isn't all that bright either. Well, but the thing so about they it didn't is, know that, why he did it, really. is that, well, yeah, but what I'm going to say is that, yeah. yeah, maybe he had a reason and maybe he even had a legitimate reason, but like blowing up a bunch of innocent babies and a bunch of innocent people is not, you're that's not going to endear anyone or like bring anyone over to your cause. Uh, I don't think he had a religi- legitimate reason for blowing that building No, up. he didn't. He I'm he just saying even if he did. Be, he had a legitimate reason to be To be, to be mad. But sure. That, but, the, but the response wasn't correct. But a lot of people right. have legitimate reasons for right. being mad about a lot of things, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you can do shit like this. Right. You have to fucking understand the tides of society. Fucking American society wasn't what was pretty much happy during this period. They weren't going to turn against the government. They just weren't. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he, nothing he just, was really. No. I mean, yeah, a lot of people were mad about Waco. Waco a lot but, of people were mad about Ruby Ridge, and yeah. not just like because right. you know my fucking liberal ass. I was I was mad about that shit too because that was fucked up. A lot of people were mad about that. But it's yeah. like that doesn't give you the right to go yeah. blow up a bunch of fucking innocent people. Yeah. And you're not going to get. And if you think that that's that the, the that you're going to get people to turn against the government because you did or inspire them, it's not going to happen. No. Because this shit like this had happened already at a, at a smaller scale, going out through the beginning of time in American history, and it didn't happen before. There was shit that happened in the 20s and the 30s that, that fucking was pretty hardcore, but you don't even. It's all forgotten. Because it really didn't amount to anything. I still wanted to do a show about the Wall Street bombing yeah. that happened in the 1920s. There were some Puerto Ricans that ran into the Capitol building and shot up a bunch of people, and that's forgotten. They were unfurled. Yeah, I mean, shit Puerto like Rican that just flag. happens like all the... Yeah. yeah. It happens like all the time, yeah. and it's happened throughout you, history. Yeah, but. so you, and people forget about it. President's assassinated, people forget about it. Just, you know. So blowing up that building wasn't going to change anything. You have to change society, and you can only do that through culture. And that takes a long time. And the American people would have had to have reached a conclusion on their own because of the fucking over because of the environment that it was time to have a revolutionary change in the government, you know what I mean? Or in the system. That it's not something you can force into being by doing some kind of an attack. It's not how it's never worked that way. Even in other countries it never worked that way. No. So I don't, I don't know why they bothered. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, he was just mad, and yeah. he just he had anger, and he needed a place. He needed an outlet to put it, and he picked like the worst went, possible uh, thing. The thing is, it took him a long time to prepare for this. You would think that the anger would have subsided. They thought that shit was going to work. It wasn't just emotion. They thought it was going to work. That there was going to be a massive uprising. Yeah, but they did think this. that. They did. They think thought that, that but it, no, I don't know why they would think that. I don't know either. There was no evidence to suggest that. All the es- all the evidence. If you look throughout American history, suggested the opposite: that the public would support the government, not go against it. It's just the thinking was crazy. Yeah, like I said, I don't really know what mm-hmm. they thought they were going to accomplish. Yeah, <laughs> but it didn't happen. Obviously. Yeah, this kind of attack doesn't work. No. So, uh, so yeah, 
we talked about, like I said, Area 51. That's where we get distracted. All right, so um, Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols start making a whole bunch of uh, purchases in bulk of ammonium nitrate, uh, which yeah. is fertilizer, in case you didn't know. Um, and they were going to start reselling it to other survivalist type of dudes. Um, they thought that the government was going to ban it, which didn't happen. But I guess, yeah. like, rumors were swirling around in those circles, so they thought, we're going to buy it all up. And yeah, well, they were threatening. The government was threatening to ban ammonium nitrate. Right. Like, and to put tags in it, which is like these little microscopic fucking pieces of silicate that had serial numbers written on it. I remember when they were talking about that. They could track all that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it would never They happen. never, they never no, do that, though. No, it was all propaganda. They couldn't do that. Ben said, wasn't it meant to be a signal as per the Turner Diaries? Yeah, that yeah. other extremists would start bombing as well. Yeah, yeah. that's what I said. They yeah. thought, well, like I said, yeah. if you read, like, the first part of, like, the Turner Diaries, um, it's essentially what he was using for an idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, He's th- this This is kind of going to set off, like, this big yeah. fucking... He's tripping. The Turner Diaries wasn't written by some kind of a fucking military genius or anything. That's not how revolutions happen. But like I said, this is a guy who's, he's not dumb, but he's kind of just gone down this one particular single rail, and it's like he's very single-minded, and he's surrounded himself with other people who thought like that, too, so he didn't really have anybody saying, being like, bro, that's a really stupid idea. I don't think he did. It just seemed like everybody else that was around was agreed with him. He thought it, he thought, I guess he thought the country was just ripe for an uprising. But yeah, he was wasn't. saying that back in 1992. Yeah, but it you wasn't. You know what I mean? It wasn't. I was around during that time. Yeah. M- many of you were. Those were good times. I mean, shit was pretty chill in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, they were real good times. In general, people were happy. Shit was pretty chill yeah. in the 90s. Um, yeah. So, as I mentioned... Um, okay, so... At this point, they start talking, him and Terry Nichols start talking about, we're going to blow up a federal building. Uh, Fortier, who was the meth head, he's like, yeah, I'm out. That's that's like a little too too much for me. Now, he did tell his wife about what they were planning to do, though. So, basically, like I said, they were hiding it because Timothy McVeigh like, wrote a couple letters to ATF. Um... You know, and basically just saying, hey, we're coming for you kind of uh, motherfucker, motherfuckers. So there was that. So like I said, they weren't hiding it. So uh, as we mentioned, he initially planned that they were going to do the go the individual assassination route. Uh, Lon Horiuchi, who we mentioned before, like the sniper from Ruby Ridge. He was one of the ones that was on the list. Uh, Janet Reno was on the list, obviously. Um, there was also a judge, Walter Smith Jr., mm. uh, who was the guy on the Branch Davidian trial. Uh, so, you know, he had, like, a list of people he was, like, thinking about assassinating. But, um, it just, I guess he felt like it would just be too difficult, um, you know, to go and assassinate people one by one. So, he's like, well, it'd just be easier to, like, knock them, a bunch of them out at once. So, we'll go somewhere where a bunch of them are, and then we'll just, like, blow it up and, like, you know. So, I kind of feel like he was going to do that. And this is a dude that has a military background. He should know better, but direct kinetic action really is very limited, you know. It would have been more effective if he just fucking hired a bunch of little 
kids, eight, nine-year-old kids, to just handcuff themselves at a big long stream up around that building and make a big stake, you know what I mean? Non-violent shit that would, like, fucking Gandhi would do. You know, we're not moving, you gotta arrest us all. That would have been a lot far more effective. I mean, that is a lot more effective. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. You know, do some, you you wanna do some crybaby shit. You want a bunch of kids out there crying, you know, well, because like I said, yeah. if you want people to listen to your message, right. yeah. blowing up a bunch of babies is not the way yeah. to do it. Because you're just, uh, immediately people, you can't get past that. Yeah, you just blew up you. a bunch of babies. Yeah, they could turn on you. So the everybody's like, this, we don't even, if, like, even if you have a point, we're not going to yeah. listen to what you have to say now because you blew up a bunch of babies. It's not instinctive for a soldier to think that way where, you know, let's get a bunch of little kids and handcuff them together and we'll handcuff ourselves to the door and cover ourselves in blood and cry and scream because that comes off as kind of like weak, weak looking, you know what I mean? So they didn't go to that, but that would have been far more effective. Well, a lot more people would be sympathetic to your cause if you did that rather than just, like, killing innocent fucking people. He's not a civilian, so he can't think that way. But, uh, you know, I understand he he should have done it my way. Get a bunch of little kids and fucking scream and cry and kick and put on a big fucking show and get the shit on video and then get photographs of yourselves being arrested and make the fucking government look like bad guys and make everybody look like meanies. And that, that, that's how you get them, you know. That's far more effective Yeah. than to just blowing some shit up. And, I mean, Ben yeah. makes the point. He's like, the government blew up all those children at the Branch Davidian Church. Yeah, yeah they did. And yep. that's what. And that's why, and yep. that's what's shitty because it's like, yep. yeah, that was shitty too. That's why but I him said, doing the same thing again doesn't yeah. make what he what yeah. he did, like, better. Yeah. You've now, you've now, now you've done two shitty things. Well, Good no, job. Now you've given, now you've given the morality back to the fucking federal government. That's your enemy. You want them to stay the murderers. That's what I was saying. Get your kids down there and dress them up with blood and like they're burned up, like they burned up. I mean, the there's something to be said show. for taking the high road. Yeah, because yeah, at yeah. least you have the moral right. high ground. You right. can say, well, you guys right. blew up kids Same like at Waco or whatever. It's like we would never, do, never do that. that. Make bad. yourself the good guys. Yeah, if exactly. you do the same thing as them, then yeah. you're yeah. as bad as they are, yeah, and they're not, what you're yeah. complaining about. For some reason, these guys can't think that You're way. You're just as bad as they yeah. are, then. They're thinking paramil- in a paramilitary fashion, like tit for tat, equal, you know, is what, is what they're Right, thinking. but that's, that's not, not how you do it. No. Because the audience is a bunch of civilians, so you're trying to play up to them and a bunch of lawyers. And you also want, you want it so you cannot be prosecuted, or you're not prosecuted for anything s- serious, so you can come out and do it again and again and again and yeah. again. Yeah. So that, so it's... It doesn't matter if you win battles or firefights. All right. What matters is if you win wars. And wars are about endurance. Who endures? Who can last the longest? And if you're in prison, you haven't lasted. Or if you get killed, you haven't lasted. You just keep fucking with them and fucking with them and yeah. fucking with them and fucking with them. Yeah, they throw you in jail, but they can only hold you for 12 hours because you haven't committed Because you haven't really done so anything serious. So you keep serious. doing it, you keep right. doing it, you keep doing it. That, that's you, just, you, you have to have patience. It's a long game. Right, yeah. I mean, if that's really what your well, yeah. what your angle is, I kind of feel like the problem with a lot of these type of dudes is like they, even if they have legitimate points, which I'm not even saying if they do or don't, I'm just saying whatever their point is or whatever their end game is, they don't have the patience to yeah. like stick it out until the end. Or the training. Yeah. yeah. Or the yeah. He was you thinking, really he can't. He was thinking of the way the army trained him. That's not that's not that fight. He the wrong fight. Yeah. Wrong fight. You should have been out there being a crybaby and just big old fucking 
and, and protest her and chain himself to the door. He would have got a lot more. Yeah, you just keep doing public it. sympathy. Yeah, yeah, right. And if you have public yeah. sympathy on your side, then, then you'll you immediately have yeah. like a bunch of other people who will yeah. go to bat for you. Yeah. You blow up a bunch of babies, no yeah. one's going to go to bat for you. Right. So, you know, you whether you had a point or not, like nobody yeah. can hear you over you, what you You don't did. want a bunch of grown men out there. You want women and children out there. You know, to be fucking protesting. And local college kids and shit like that. You want them to do it for you. You put a bunch of fucking ex-military fucking veterans... Looking all right wing out there, fucking crying. Nobody's gonna buy that. You want fucking weak people out there, or what we would consider? They'll they'll be sympathetic to that. Oh my God, you're so oppressive. You know what I mean? That that's how you do it. Okay, that's how they do it. That that that's why they do what they do. If you look at protesters, you know they're never gonna have a dude like me out there protesting. They're just not. Nobody nobody would buy it. Nobody would feel sorry for me. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Just, you know. People would be expect me to see me in riot gear with a cop or some shit. Like that. That's what they would cultural. That would be the ex, the expectation. You know. What I mean? so, so I understand why they are. You all are just mortal people. You don't. You know. You guys just do what you do. You know. Wait, who? Like you? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I like, don't do it. Like I do. you're not I'm mortal. Super, no, like, I'm not mortal. No, I'm not. You're not. Look at look at fucking murder hornets is in there. Yeah. Okay. Back. Had to go to Walgreens next to get some Walgreens, bread. Gonna yeah. test out my new sandwich maker. Yeah. I know. I gotta. I gotta. Like. I bought some bagels yesterday so I could have them in our new toaster yeah. oven. But I haven't made one yet. <laughs> I got cream cheese and everything over at Dollar General. All right. So. Uh, so where was I? Yeah. So they decided not to do the assassinations. They're gonna go ahead with the bombing. So. Uh, so yeah. They crafted a very large info explosive and mounted it in the back of a rented rider truck. Five. Thousand pounds. Uh, this this bomb was of ammonium nitrate and nitromethane is what the bomb was made of. So, five thousand pounds in the back of the truck. So, April nineteenth, nineteen ninety five, Timothy McVeigh drives the rental truck to the front of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building uh, in Oklahoma City. At about well, it's a little bit before the offices open for the day. They opened at nine a.m. So before he gets there, he parks it out front and uh, he has a two minute fuse. So he lit the two minute fuse, um, you know, at 9 a.m. So the bomb went off at 9.02. Now the explosion, uh, and you know, if you Google it, you can see the pictures. It took out pretty much the front. I mean, it just like obliterated, um, probably like a third to two thirds of the building. It just like took off the whole like front of it. Um, Ended up killing 168 people, including 19 children that were in the daycare center on the second floor. Uh, The youngest of those, I think was a baby, like four months old. 684 people also injured and 300 other buildings around that uh, building also Damaged. I'm assuming most of that was probably like broken windows and things like that. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Timothy McVeigh said, oh, I didn't know that there was a daycare center in the second floor. Um, I might have like picked a different place if I'd known that. As I said, I'm not really sure I believe that because he said that later on. Terry Nichols actually came out and said, yeah, we knew there was a daycare center there and we didn't give a shit. Um, and also from I've heard a couple of sources that said, 
that they had actually toured the building because I guess it was a federal building, so you could do a tour of it. You know what I mean? And they had actually done a tour of it like sometime before they had actually bombed it, so they were absolutely familiar with what all the shit was in there. So um, basically, this is what he said. So um, he had some biographers that were like writing a book about him. And they did, like, a bunch of interviews with him. He never did, by the way, um, you know, express any kind of remorse of any kind uh, for anything that he did. Um, you know, he just he just didn't. I mean, he, he wasn't sorry. One of the things that he said, and this is kind of going back to what you said earlier, like how he would justify it. He says, to these people in Oklahoma who have lost a loved one, I'm sorry, but it happens every day. You're not the first mother to lose a kid or the first grandparent to lose a grandson or a granddaughter. It happens every day somewhere in the world. I'm not going to go into that courtroom, curl into a fetal ball, and cry just because the victims want me to do that. That's what he said. That he's like, oh, it's okay because people die every day. So, you know, that's nice. It's not quite what he said, but... I mean, that's kind of what he said. That's the gist. He's saying people die all the time. Fucking suck it up. That's what he... Yeah, that's what you mean. I always kind of wonder. I was wondering this before because, I mean, like I said, he had a little bit of an incel vibe too. Um, did he never really had a girlfriend or anything? And I kind of wonder if he'd had like a wife and a kid, would he have done the same thing? Would he have felt the same? Because maybe then he could have taken himself out of his own shoes and be like, what if that was my wife? What if that was my kid? You know, would he have had more empathy or no? Maybe. It's possible. Well, he would, he would have had. He wouldn't have wanted. He wouldn't have been so self-sacrificing. What would have happened? He's, he's like, yeah, that shit's bad. What what they, what the ATF did to Waco, but that's not my problem. I got to take care of my wife and kids. Would have been like that probably. Yeah, and I mean, I think he specifically said in one of yeah. the. Um, he had Let a kamikaze mentality. He from, did. From yeah, I don't he really didn't think care. he yeah. didn't seem like he right. wasn't a very happy person. Yeah. He wasn't a very fulfilled person. He just seemed like a very, very angry, bitter person. And like he, and he wasn't that old. I mean, you know what I mean? He was still like in his 20s when he did this, yeah. right? So it just kind of felt like, yeah, I, I don't really think he saw any kind of like future. And this was like the way he was going to go. I think he saw himself as a patriot, as, as, yeah, as he real did. patriotic. He did. And that he was saving the country from a... To, from a from a from a burgeoning totalitarian regime that was trying to take over, and he was trying to stop it early. That's what I think he thought. Yeah, that it, the, yeah, that's from he was from willing, what I right. saw of what he said. And yeah. that he was willing to die for this because and and he's not lying. You know, he he fucking served during a time of war, so he thought he was helping the American people in the grand scheme of things. The thing is, though, is he's looking at this from a very naive point of perspective. Okay. That was a losing strategy. That mission wasn't worth it. He killed all those people and then got himself killed over something that didn't, over a mission that didn't make a difference, not a positive difference, that didn't help his cause. He should have just protested. Yeah. Like I said. Which, like I said, it takes a lot more It takes longer, for sure. But he would have had more time. But yeah. He'd have more time because, yeah, you're going to get arrested if you do this and that. But he hasn't committed a serious crime, so he's going to be out 12 hours later. Might be trespassing or something. And uh, he should have gotten all that shit on video, you know, and tried to get it played. There was no distribution back then. Yeah, that's another another thing. So, but you still could have 
caused enough stink where somebody would have eventually covered it, I think. Um, especially if it was just like a big-scale protest. Which he could have... If they could build all those bombs, they could have done a big-scale protest. Yeah. Yeah, they right. were they were just expending their energies probably just, in the wrong areas. Yeah, it was an inefficient way of doing it. I would have just fucking protested and pestered them and harassed and pestered and fucking... Um, uh, sold videos of me protesting it at gun shows. You know, that kind of shit. You could have made money on the side. Here's fucking... Look, man... 1999, I'll give you fucking two hours of me trolling the ATF. It's hilarious. You know, to, I mean, much easier nowadays, to yeah. be fair, but, you know. Nowadays, you could, you could fucking sell it. But you, you, he could have sold that shit at gun shows. People probably would have bought it. Especially yeah, he, they probably would have. Especially if he was funny. Yeah. Think of, think of how angry gay Pope. We've had him on the show. Him trolling Scientology. He was hilarious. I would just watch his show. if Before the internet and... Had somebody said, look, man, fucking 1999, 1995, this video, two hours of this guy just trolling this cult, man, it's hilarious. And I, and I saw a sample. I might buy something like that and watch it. Especially if there was a... And once you watch one, I'd probably have bought more of them. Yeah. You know? So I would have done something like that. See, sense, sense of humor, ridiculing people, it's hard. I mean, people love it's funny hard. shit. Everybody loves funny shit. So much... Okay, you, you gotta fucking apply this to other things. I think the most damaging thing, really, that ever happened to the cult of Scientology was that fucking South Park. South Park, I was going to say. Because it was true. And it was funny as fuck. And I think that was, that spelled the end of Scientology as a, as a business. That was it. Just the, that little show. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't the only thing. But I think that was a pretty big right. uh, part of it. That brought it to the public's attention, the mainstream public's yeah. attention. It was fucking hilarious. And they weren't lying. That's mm-hmm. another thing. Like all the shit they said in there was true. That was yeah, all true. This is exactly what this is. This really what Scientology right. believes. The UFO cult, the fucking Zenu. So in a lot of ways, it's like even though South Park is just like you know from from a in the grand scheme of things, it's just like kind of a dumb cartoon show. But it actually had a really, really large cultural impact, right. and probably a positive impact too, because it got yeah. like more people looking into it and more people being like, "Fuck that shit," you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that was like that was a really good thing for society as a yeah. whole. <laughs> These dudes, uh, McNichols and Mc, uh, Nichols, T- T- Terry Nichols and McVeigh, short-sighted. They were not far-thinking guys. Had they waited a couple more years? AJ in the in, in his in his radio show would have been around. They could have been guests on that. And then fucking YouTube, primitive YouTube would have been out just decade later. Not even that, really. Yeah, when and did you, YouTube actually? YouTube I came out what two thousand two thousand six. I want to say. Yeah, so I think it's it was not that. The decade later, you'd had YouTube, and and all his material could have been up on that, and uh, he would wouldn't have been a, a, a criminal. You know, his his, his uh, reputation would have been totally different. So it was too hasty, man. And they're not thinking. This is not th- third three-dimensional thinking. This is two-dimensional thinking, what they're doing. It's just dumb. That's not how you do Retro bullshit, you know? Yeah. Just, uh, they just waited and played the long game. They could have fucking probably made a living off of fucking protesting ATF. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they had, like, a fan base. They I mean, fan, they, yeah. Well, I mean, he was known, like, kind of on the gun show circuit yeah. and stuff like that. Like, he sold, yeah. sold stuff, and he had booths and stuff. So, yeah. like, people knew who he was. Would have been far more I don't effective. think he, he wasn't famous or nothing like that. It could have like, been later on. Yeah, but I'm just saying yeah. that, like, at the even at the time back then, like, yeah. he was kind of, like, in the scene. Like, people yeah. saw him around, you know. Yeah, I mean? you got to play the long game in, in, in all wars. War is the long game. It's not... As you, as you all civilians have figured out, warfare is not shock and awe. How many times did my army fucking pull shock and awe out and it didn't change a fucking thing? It's never resolved in some big fucking spectacular event. It's always the long game. Yeah. Well, see, I kind of feel like yeah. people maybe think that just because, yeah. well, that's what makes the more exciting movies. Yeah. But it's like, really, it's just like boring shit. Yeah. Boring, that, long that makes the most, resistance. yeah, like long term kind of boring stuff that makes the most yeah. difference. Yeah. It's the smarter It's way. not just like some big, big flashy, some big one thing that changes everything. Yeah, that very, won. very rarely. It's only on television. That very, very rarely yeah. happens. Very rarely happens. So, uh, so yeah. So after they did uh, the bombing, what ended up happening was that in the rubble, they found uh, the rear axle of the Ryder rental truck. I remember the old axle story. Man. And it oh, had the v- the VIN number on it. Yeah. So uh, the FBI were able to track this uh, rental truck back to where it had been rented, which was in Junction City, Kansas. So uh, the workers at the, uh, you know, Ryder Rental Agency, they remembered what the guy that rented it looked like because it had only been like the day before. So they got with the FBI sketch artist. They did a sketch, which actually, if you see the sketch and then put it right next to like Tim McVeigh, it's actually a pretty good sketch. They did a good job. Like it actually does really look like him. Now, uh, Timothy McVeigh was, you know, was kind of a dummy, but not that much of a dummy. He did actually use a fake name when he rented the truck, and that fake name was Robert Kling. He actually had a fake driver's license and everything. So they showed the sketch around town, and uh, somebody that managed the local motel where Timothy McVeigh had been staying identified him. It's like, oh yeah, that was a guy that was staying here. Now, interestingly, uh, not too long after the bombing, uh, Timothy McVeigh was driving uh, near Perry, Oklahoma, and he got pulled over by a state trooper named Charles Hanger. Now, uh, he got pulled over because he was speeding and also because his car, which was a 1977 Mercury Marquis, hadn't, uh, didn't have a license plate. So basically, uh, McVeigh gets out of the car and the trooper sees like a bulge under his jacket and assume, and, uh, you know, Timothy McVeigh is like, yeah, I got a gun. And, uh, the cops like, uh, yeah, I got a gun too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of uh, situation. So, uh, basically he got arrested. Timothy McVeigh got arrested for, uh, driving without plates, obviously, and for having a, an illegal firearm because he didn't have the, uh, you know, the papers for it or anything like that. Because uh, he didn't have, um, he had a concealed weapon, but it was like fake, you know what I mean? Uh, or it wasn't legal in that state or whatever it was. So, um, so he got arrested for that. And then they didn't know that he was the guy that had done the bombing, like the state trooper that arrested him. He was just arresting him because he didn't have a license plate and because he had like a concealed weapon that, weapon that it wasn't legal for him to be carrying. Um, and then later on they found out that, oh my God, that's the guy that actually did the bombing you know what i mean now because 
when the bombing first happened, and I remember when it first happened too, because I was in my early 20s. I was like 23, I think, when this happened. Um, and I remember everybody immediately thinking it was like Islamic terrorists and people being like kind of surprised, like when they found out that it was just, that it was the guy who it was, you know what I mean? Not everybody was, but a lot of people were. Because, like I said, we'd had, like, uh, the World Trade Center bombing, not 9-11, obviously, but the one that happened in 1993, where they just blew up. Didn't they just blow up, like, it was, like, in the parking garage or, like, the ba- the like the lower levels, right? What's that? That The first World Trade Center bombing. Yeah, it was the one that was levels. in the lower levels of yeah, it. Yeah, and it didn't even fucking do anything to the building. Not really. Yeah. It didn't, like, do that much of a damage. But, yeah, I mean, it was a big deal at the time. But that was, like, Islamic terrorists. So everybody was, like, thinking along those lines. So everybody was, like, really surprised that it wasn't that. Because I kind of feel like when they caught the guy, they were just kind of like, oh, well, that's not what we were expecting. So there's that. So he gets hauled in. Uh, he's indicted on 11 counts. Uh, conspiracy to use a weapon of mass destruction, use of a weapon of mass destruction, uh, destruction with use of explosives, eight counts of first degree murder. That was just for the deaths of the law enforcement officers. I guess the other people don't count. Uh, But yeah, so um, basically they uh, had to do a change of venue. So they actually moved it from Oklahoma City to Denver because I guess they were assuming that he couldn't get a fair trial in Oklahoma City because everyone was a little bit mad, understandably. So, uh, basically what they wanted to do, I guess he wanted them to do what they call a necessity defense. He wanted to argue. They said, well, we know we couldn't argue insanity because he was obviously very, very sane and very intelligent and was not, you know, he, he had reasons for doing what he was doing and he was very articulate about saying what those were. So, you know, they're like, we couldn't do that. So he wanted to do... He wanted to basically say, well, not self-defense, but he's like, I felt like I was in imminent danger from the government, so I was retaliating. That's kind of like what, so almost like self-defense. I kind of like feel like that was the route that he wanted to go. Um, His argument was that imminent danger doesn't necessarily mean like immediate danger. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I thought they were going to come get me. That's kind of what. That's kind of what he was... So he was trying to justify that he had, like, bombed the building because of, like, because it was a reasonable response to, like, what had happened at Waco and what had happened at Ruby Ridge, right? Yeah. So that's what he was trying to argue. Um, it didn't work. <laughs> Spoiler alert. 1997, uh, he was found guilty on all 11 counts. Um, so, like I said, even though 168 people in total were killed, uh, the only murder charges brought against him were for the eight, uh, federal agents who were on duty and were killed during the thing. I don't know why that was, but you know what I mean? That's what they did. So, uh, basically he's like, uh, so he gets sentenced to death, actually, Terry Nichols uh, was also arrested and convicted, although he got a life sentence, so he didn't get executed. But the thing about it, though, was that, interestingly, they, they pretty much, I don't know if they expedited it, but they did the death penalty because he was convicted in, what, 97, and then they executed him in 2001, which is, like, pretty quick. Like, he did an appeal and stuff like that, but 
You know what I mean? Well, they were trying to get rid of him as soon as possible. Yeah. And they didn't the f- want him to get any followers. I think that's what that was all about. They're well, and he he actually asked, he wanted his execution to be televised nationally. Yeah. But um, they were like, nope. But they were like, yeah, no. Um, although there was an unnamed internet company that they actually sued for the right to broadcast it, like the execution, <laughs> but they didn't win. Um, so he was actually like on the same, uh, kind of, they call the bombers row. He was on there with like Ted Kaczynski and all those kind of guys. Yeah. They're high five. Ramzi Youssef and all that. Yeah. He was trying to convert him to Islam. That didn't work out. It didn't work. Yeah. No. Well, McVeigh was, he later said he was an agnostic, but he actually took the Catholic last rites. I think he was like raised as an Irish Catholic. Yeah. He said he wasn't religious, but they said that he was kind of like going a little bit that way toward the end but yeah it was like kind of funny the way <laughs> you know like the fucking bombers like trying to convert each other to yeah. their own fucking religions like in fucking prison <laughs> jesus christ uh they're all high-fiving each other you did a good job yeah they probably fine. were which oh, is like yeah, really yeah. fucked up oh, because yeah. the thing about it was that when they executed um timothy mcveigh like i said like so many members of the public like wanted to come in and see him die that they had to do a lottery because they couldn't fit everybody yeah um, but he didn't, they asked him if he had any last words. He had like some kind of poem that he wanted said, but other yeah. than that, they asked him, you have anything else? And he just wouldn't say anything. And hickory they... dickory doc. <laughs> the chick was sucking my, no, <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay poems and shit. God, I remember okay, that. <laughs> Whatever happened to that motherfucker? Uh, he got old. Well, you duh, but I mean, just like, I wonder what happened to him, like, other He did a couple movies, old. and then uh, he didn't want to do that character anymore, and then, then people ignored him. He tried to be funny without that character. And people were like, nope, yeah, you're, like, you're no, only funny you're with You're only that. funny Sorry, as that character, yeah. go away, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that character wasn't that funny. I went back and saw it kind of fucking... He really wasn't. wasn't. I was. Funny. I don't even think he was that funny back then. But it was, it's not really my style of yeah. comedy. Like, I, I was real into, like, stand-up comedy in the 90s. But I kind of like comedians that just... I don't like so much comedians that just, like, tell jokes. Like, yeah. set up punchline. Kind of, yeah. like, a very obvious kind of joke. I like comedians that just, like, tell kind of rambling stories that just happen to be funny. Like, uh, fucking, uh... Red Fox was like that. And fucking, so was, uh... Fucking Buddy Hackett. I'm was, trying to think of, like... A lot of comedians Buddy I liked Hackett. in the 90s. Like, I love Eddie, Eddie Izzard. I love, um... I really liked Jake Johansson. Whatever happened to him? He was like funny as hell. That Jewish dude was fucking hilarious. What was that Which one? <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. I forgot his name. You guys remember? He goes, he goes, when you say you look like a hooker, you say a woman looks like a hooker, she'll get, she'll get mad at you. But it's a compliment. They're asking people have to pay, you know. They could tell a Jewish woman she looks at her, she goes, "Thank you." <laughs> it's just fucking funny. What's that guy's name? Fuck. You guys in the comment section know what I'm talking about. During the '90s, he was bigger than the '80s and the '90s. Dude was fucking Larry. It wasn't Mel. It wasn't fucking Mel Brooks. Man, American fuck. Military 100 said Richard Pryor was a storyteller too. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I tend to like comedians that are more like yeah. that. I don't yeah. so much like. I mean, I've seen comedians that were just like set up punchline that were funny yeah. but i tend to like ones that just like tell funny stories yeah. like rather than it being like structured yeah. you know what i mean yeah um 
Let's see, what was up here? I think I missed some stuff. Jones Perkins said, my wife kept me from going crazy, I'll tell you that. People remarked about a year after getting with her that I was not the same person. And uh, she replaced me with a better version of myself. Yeah, see, I was kind of wondering about that. That was just something that I randomly thought, because I kind of think about that when I read about these kind of guys or serial killers or whoever. I'm just like, you know, what circumstances could have been different that, like, the outcome would have been different? You know what I mean? And I just kind of wonder about Timothy McVeigh, like, if he had gone if he had finished college for example or if he had you know gotten a girlfriend or gotten married and like had a kid or something like that like would he have gone down this right he might still have because you know people like that do that all the time and shit there's serial killers that have wives and kids too so it's that doesn't preclude like you going down that path but i'm just kind of wondering like in the context of the situation like if it would have worked out the same if it would have worked out the same um I don't know why I thought this was interesting. I'm always, like, really interested in um, people's last meals, like, before they get executed. I don't know why that fascinates me so much. Because I'm just like, you're going to die. Like, what? It, what is the last thing you want to eat? You know what I mean? Because I'm like, oh, my God, what would I pick? I don't know if I'd be able to pick. No, it wasn't Lenny Bruce. It was, what was his name? Jackie, uh, fuck, what was that guy's Jackie name? Jackie Mason? Jackie Mason. That yeah. motherfucker was so fucking funny, man. Jackie Mason. If you guys want to see some funny shit, man, look at Jackie Mason, man. Yeah. I remember that guy. Yeah, he's hilarious. But Timothy McVeigh's uh, last meal was two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Okay, yeah. I'd eat that, too. For your last meal, though? Yeah. I mean, I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. Don't get me wrong. That's probably that's, that's probably my favorite that's flavor. Which, shit, man. Now I have the same favorite ice cream flavor as Timothy McVeigh. Funniest one that I Fuck, ever fucking man. heard is they were, they were executing this. Uh, they were going to execute this one dude. Uh, he was uh, mentally retarded, mentally handicapped, black dude. He'd killed some women or so accused of it. And uh, he had his last supper, and he fucking saved the dessert. He said, aren't you eating the dessert? And he, it, it, and he goes, no, I'll eat it afterwards. And they went, okay. Then he took him to go fucking get to get well, lethal injection. I'll I mean, eat it afterwards. I'm not a, you know, obviously you shouldn't, you shouldn't be executing people that are mentally yeah he was though handicapped like that he but was, yeah though. i'm just saying that they shouldn't be i remember when they were talking about that he said he was good uh, think he had like a chocolate sundae or something and they said aren't you gonna eat aren't you gonna eat your dessert and he's like i'll have it have it afterwards and they were like okay and then they took I mean, him to but go i guess well he didn't realize injections. so i guess he couldn't fully comprehend it yeah spooky when you think about it huh it is but i mean yeah. I, I guess like maybe I guess it was better for him because he didn't actually he know he was dying. He really, didn't really know what was going on. But that's yeah. still fucked up. They shouldn't be doing yeah. it. Yeah. Jones Perkins said, this comment will make you feel old if you read it. When the bombing happened, I was in fourth grade. And oh, I remember okay. it very well. I believe yeah. I was nine years old. Yeah, I think I was... I was 23. I was 23. I was out of the Army. What Was this 96, I think? 95. 95? Yeah, I was 95. out of the Army. Yeah, yeah, I graduated from high school in yeah. 1990. So I was... Yeah, I was in college, but, yeah, I was 23. Yeah. 23. I was in college, so. Uh, but, yeah, so, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Timothy McVeigh was executed in 2001, and uh, they said that when he was uh, executed, that he just had a completely blank stare. 
and he never expressed any remorse for anything that he did or nothing like that. And like I said, a lot of the um, you know family of the victims were there, like when he got executed as well. So you know what I mean. And um, he they wouldn't let him be buried in a military cemetery. So they actually uh, cremated him, but nobody knows like what they did with his ashes. The ashes they gave him to his lawyer. Threw it in a pond. Probably. Yeah. Put him in the fish tank. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Something like that. Kill a fish. All that garbage. <laughs> That'd be fucking gross. They kind of thought. Um, <laughs> they thought maybe like he said. I guess Timothy McVeigh was like, "Oh, well, maybe you can scatter him like where the building was," and everybody's like, "No, we're not fucking doing that." Just Jesus Christ! What the fuck are you thinking? So yeah, they're not doing that. Um. So there was that. So, I, you know, I don't know. This this is a fucked up story, and I'm kind of bumming myself out. No, like just some of that serial more. killer shit. The toolbox murderers. Well, I know that. Like, that bums me out, too. Like, yeah, all this kind of shit bums me out. This is almost kind of like something from wartime. Just explosion kills a bunch of people. You know, well, that's making it any better. It, it's still yeah, sad. It wasn't torture, though, and it didn't have a sexual element to it where there's some innocent people were picked out to be fucking sexual targets from some fucking madman it wasn't like this this is more kind of just like a random fucking almost like a fucking natural disaster in a certain way these dude these dudes thought what they were doing i think was the i think they thought what they were doing was the right thing in the big picture well they seemed uh, to didn't they but they no fucking no fucking that's the wrong fucking tactics to use you know where's your fucking strategy Fucking to win a war is a long haul. The last thing you want to do is to fucking get yourself locked up into a prison or get killed. No, you know, just dumb, dumb. It's it's funny how intelligent guys can be so dumb. But for some reason, they thought because of that book, they thought that they needed some kind of high-profile attack that was real flashy that would make it onto the news so they would get news media coverage. You don't need that either. And had they. You just need time. And had they fucking been patient, you would have had YouTube and the internet. And then they could have just fucking disseminated information and their point of views. And they could have fucking uh, said, you know, told the stories of fucking how the Waco thing went down and how it was fucking the wrong thing to do and um, that, it, that it was handled poorly. And then the whole fucking ruby ridge thing where they shoot a dude's fucking wife you know really in the dog really for nothing you know um there's a lot of ammunition you could use in an information war right there you know and they a kinetic attack that's the last thing you'd want to do you know their, their thinking is just fucked up you know real fucking super conventional and retro and out of date I don't even think that would have worked in the 20s. No. No, not at all. That wouldn't have worked in the 20s. Every successful revolution wasn't like that. You know, look how the Bolsheviks did it. They did it by taking over the damn train set, the train system of Russia. Everything went through Moscow. If you ran, if you ran that Moscow fucking train fucking station, then you ran the whole country because you could send soldiers and supplies everywhere you wanted. Um, American Revolution fucking took fucking 20 years, all right? And fucking a bunch of people. They didn't just declare independence and it was over, you know? No. 
that shit wasn't resolved until the War of 1812. You know, so very limited understanding of human, of human conflict and history. Too much Hollywood. High-profile attack backfired on him. Dumb. Sly says, uh, I like what people say on their deathbeds. Like, either these curtains go or I do. You said Lord Byron. I thought that was Oscar Wilde, but I could be wrong. Uh, Allie McNair says, hi, you two. On a happier note, happy new year. I hope Pookie got the treats I sent her from Chewy. Oh, Oh, it was you that sent him. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes, we did get those. Who is this again? Allie. Allie, okay. Thank you very much for those. She is, she loves those. As soon as I brought the box up, she was like... She knew. She knows. She knows that she knew it was for her. She, she could probably see, smell them. She knows that packaging. She loves. When she loves, sees loves those, those things, things coming out, she goes treats. <laughs> yeah, it's. She knows what flavor they are by what color they are. Yeah. She sees that turquoise. She goes, like, "Oh, that's tuna. That's the good ones. That's the good ones. Yeah." <laughs> she sees the red ones. She's like, "Oh, that's uh, salmon. That's salmon." Yeah. yeah, the salmon ones are pink. Like she'll yeah. eat the chicken ones, which I yeah. think are kind of yellowish, yeah, right? She, yeah, yeah, orange. Or orange. It's an orange, little orange fucking stripe on a, on on a black on a brown package. Those ones are kind of those ones are okay. Yeah. Like she'll eat the salmon ones, but she's yeah. kind of like, like she's very yeah. grudging about it. Um. But yeah. So what's what I had? Oh, I had some notes about uh, Turner Diaries, but yeah. we already kind of talked about that. Yeah. It's just um. Yeah, it's a violent revolution that's uh, a nuclear war and a race war. Yeah. And the end of it is a systematic extermination of non-whites. Yeah. The guy at the... it's Like I said, it's a fictional novel, but the guy's name is Earl Turner, hence the Turner Diaries, and he wants to kill Jews, non-whites, okay. liberal actors, and politicians. Yeah, he's tripping. And all get murdered. He's tripping. That's like something from some kind of sideways fucking Hollywood movie. That's not how reality works, you know? And I thought this was interesting, too, because this book, not only was it uh, the impetus for this bombing, but uh, also for the 1999 nail bombings that happened in London. And also, do you guys remember this? The assassination of Alan Berg, the radio talk show host, the liberal uh, atheist uh, radio talk show host. They made a movie about it with Eric Bogosian called Talk Radio, I think, that was actually really good if you haven't seen it. But... um, that happened in 1984. He got killed by uh, Aryan Nation, like yeah. skinheads. Yeah. Race riot, damn revolution is fucking fantasy. Those guys are fantasizing. Usually, if you look at history, there have been race. There's been racial wars, but that usually takes place if you look at the detail in pl- in countries that are very small. If that would happen in the United States, it would have been a local event, not nationwide. Okay. Um, Mostly revolutions are mainstream. A successful revolutions are. They're mainstream. They involve everybody, the entire population. Race is, usually isn't a factor. Usually the main factor is economy. Money and living standards go away. So people fucking rise up because the government no longer serves them. So it's not just, it's not this bullshit where you white people wouldn't fucking wiping out now. It's, it's everybody rising up against a fucking non-functional government. That's usually how it goes. And it's not apocalyptic either. Usually, once it's over, it kind of normalizes within a few months after that because new regimes get in. American Military 100 said, I love talk radio. It was such a good movie. I haven't seen it in a long yeah. time, but I remember really liking it. 
Uh, totally forgot about that movie. I didn't know it was based on a true story. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure it was based on the assassination of Allen Berg, which happened in the 80s. Um, yeah, he was killed cause by uh, neo-Nazis because he was uh, Jewish and he was real outspoken about his atheism and about his liberalism on the air and uh, neo-Nazis didn't like it, so they came and shot him in the, I think it was in the parking lot. It was back in the 80s, wasn't it? Early 80s? 84. 84. Yeah. 84 that was. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty fucked up. But it's a good movie, though. <clears throat> but yeah, so uh, let me see. So remember the, the Fortier guy, the, the meth head? Yeah. So him and his wife, uh, they were also considered accomplices because they knew about it. They weren't involved directly, but they knew about it beforehand. Uh, so uh, they actually kind of got... Um, oh, and also the wife had helped uh, Timothy McVeigh with the fake driver's license that he mm -hmm. had used to rent the truck. So um, Fortier actually got off a little bit because he agreed to testify against... Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols uh, in exchange for a reduced sentence. Uh, and his wife got immunity, like, in that deal. So he got 12 years and fined $75,000. Uh, but he got released a little bit earlier. Like, he got released in 2006 for good behavior and went into the Witness Protection Program. So there was that. Um, a couple of other things. I think somebody mentioned, I think Camp Guy mentioned, like, very early on in the show about uh, the third person or whatever. Now, there was, like, some kind of stuff that there was, like, a John Doe number two because there was another, like, apparently, like, some of the workers at the rider rental truck place had described another dude that, like, came in and rented a truck, and they did a, um, a drawing of him. So, for a long time, they thought maybe this was another conspirator, so they were looking for that person, but I think what they figured out later on was that that was, like, a completely innocent dude who had just come into the place to rent a truck, like, the day before, and they just got the days mixed up. You know what I mean? Like you would do. Like you didn't realize that it was like a different day or whatever. So they figured out who that dude was and he didn't have anything to do with Timothy McVeigh. He just happened to like rent a writer truck like the day before. And they just happened to remember him. You know what I mean? Um, there's also been some rumors and nobody knows. I don't think anybody knows how much uh, of this is true. But that Timothy McVeigh was involved with the Christian identity movement. Uh, some people said that they had seen him at some of the little private meetings or whatever that they had. So I don't know how much of that is true or not. Because like I said, he did claim later on that he wasn't religious or that he was agnostic. But I have seen like some people the like... Christian identity was kind of like Nazi. Yeah. I think it was. Essentially. Um, some, there, there are some witnesses that said that they saw him in those areas or they know that he was in those areas at around the time that they knew that there yeah. was like meetings of that going on. And some people did say that they'd seen him. Probably bullshit though. But I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Um, I mean, they're, well, their beliefs yeah. did kind of align in a lot of yeah. ways, but that, I mean, some people said that they saw him like associating with the, with that group, but. I don't know. Maybe he went and checked it out or something. That's, yeah, I don't think that he was, like, the thing about him is that, I mean, his psychology, yeah, he had a couple of, like, conspirators and stuff, but he wasn't, it wasn't, like, a real organized, he, he was very much, like, a lone wolf type of actor. Like, he yeah. had a specific agenda, and he had, like, other people that were helping him, like, push this agenda, but... He mostly just, it was mostly just like a handful of people. It wasn't like it was an organized movement yeah. to, in, to any, like, to any great degree, I guess. You know what I mean? Ben says, they went to the um, Elohim City FBI skinhead church, please. 
Yeah, yeah that's kind of that's what I heard. I was like watching one of the documentaries about that early on. But yeah, even though he, even though McVeigh wasn't religious, he was more closely related in terms of like just character and ideology and just the character of the way he was. Had he been Christian, he would have been one of these "I'm going to stop the nut mark of the beast" kind of guys. Yeah, you know I mean? that uh, they're going to come and take over and they're going to wipe out the Christians and um, you know I'm going to stop the mark of the beast. That he he was even yeah he that's what that's what I meant. He that's was what a I... dude like that. Yeah, even though he was secular, he was trying to he saw himself as a hero trying to stop a fucking totalitarian government taking over. And fucking um, taking everybody's guns, and that they were going after Christian groups first, and they had gotten away with Rake Waco, and that uh, he wasn't going to let them get away with it, and that he was going to show the American population that you could fight them, and uh, if you fight them, then they'll run, and then uh, we'll straighten it out, and we'll win, and 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 I'll go down in history as a revolutionary hero. You know, after my death, he was one of those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a miscalculation. This is this is uh, the fantasies of a young man. <laughs> that's not how things actually work, you know. And that's not how revolutions work. And that's not how fucking. It, that's not how you fight any kind of uh, entrenched um, uh, institution. It takes a long time, and usually violence is not what you want. That's not what you want. Uh, propaganda is what you want, or um, lawyers, you know, <laughs> legal attacks and fucking propaganda attacks to try to get to change public opinion, to get them defunded, that kind of stuff. That's that's how you do it. It's a lot easier, and you're not breaking any laws. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you're yeah. not killing innocent people that didn't have yeah, shit, fuck I mean, all to do with. But Whatever it, you were mad at. Yeah, I mean, Sly is mentioning the fucking French Revolution. Yeah, that's the that's one way it can go, but that actually is the hard way. The easy way is what happened in the Soviet Union. It's there one minute, and a day later, it's just gone. Poof, because people don't want to show up to work for it. They no longer believe in it. All right, and they go that way too. Just the government's there, and then a couple days later, its army's gone, the, the bureaucracy's gone. Nobody believes in it. Its money is gone. The banks are gone. Just overnight. I watched that shit happen. I was on duty when that shit happened. We couldn't believe it. It's just... The Soviet Union, we thought this thing was just a megalithic powerhouse. We were scared of this thing. We were training to fight it. And just in a matter of a few days, it no longer existed. It just evaporated without a shot fired. You know? And they go that way, too. Yep, it can happen. Yeah. All right, so I guess we've been going three hours. Yeah, and I, I, we got food to make, man. I got yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty hungry. Well, okay. I was just, I was waiting for you to okay. quit talking. She's blaming me. She's blaming me, and it's something. It's a show. She talks through the whole show. I didn't talk through the whole show. Okay. You read that through the whole show? Okay, I ain't going to fight her. <laughs> I know it's, uh, it, it's just uh, I'll lose ground if I sit here and try to reason with her. Well, and then you'll just go on longer and longer, and then I'll get blamed for like making it right. like last longer. All right, I tell you what, Jim. What you got? Anything you need to plug or anything? No, I'm just gonna. Okay. I don't know. Shut just, that shit. Down. I mean, 
I guess sure. I could just plug go to our Patreon okay. and do that shit. Yeah, we we, yeah, we always require more patrons. Like, share, yeah. subscribe, yeah. do all that stuff. If yeah. you haven't done that, you guys mostly do that. Yeah. I'm just saying. Just reminding people in case they don't. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so I guess that's it. All right. Yeah. So uh, we'll be back Friday night for the Sidetracks show. Uh, so that should be, like, more fun because we won't be talking about terrorists. I mean, maybe. Yeah. We'll probably end up talking about terrorists anyway. You know how we do. Uh, but, yeah, so it, it should be more fun and more entertaining. And it'll be New Year's Eve Eve. So, you know, that'll be kind of exciting because it's kind of mm-hmm. like a holiday. All right. So thank you, everybody, for dropping by and hanging out with us this evening. And thank you for your super chats and all of the discussion. And we'll see you guys again on Friday night. Good night.